Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. Diversify. Don't just put all your eggs in one export market. Think about what other export markets you could do well at, and EDC will help you figure that out. With Export Development Canada, doing business abroad doesn't need to be risky. We take on the risks so you can think bigger and grow confidently. EDC, take on the world. Learn how to create and launch effective direct mail campaigns with Canada Post's essential guide to direct mail. Visit canadapost.ca forward slash DM guide to get your free copy. So you want to grow your business. Now what? MailChimp's all-in-one marketing platform. That's what. It has all the marketing tools you need in one place so you can save time and money. And it's powered by a marketing CRM so you can collect, organize, and understand your audience data and make smarter marketing choices. MailChimp. That's what. Learn more at MailChimp.com. Building your dream. Work-life balance. Scaling up. Discussing the topics that matter most to entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you know, one of the great things I love about interviewing amazing rock star entrepreneurs from across the planet is what we learn from them. And that's why I started Go Forth Garage. Go Forth Garage is all about providing you with the resources, the coaching, the mentorship, the programs to help you in your business. Just check us out at GoForthGarage.com. That's GoForth garage.com hi everyone it's rivers corbett and today well we have a special episode last year i was fortunate to attend the fireside conference which is a one weekend outdoor meetup for entrepreneurs visionaries and dreamers and i brought the startup canada podcast to the fireside conference and had the chance to sit down with all kinds of entrepreneurs ask them about their companies and their journeys as entrepreneurs Ladies and gentlemen, we're at Fireside 2018, and we're live with amazing entrepreneurs all during this afternoon. We're going to record them for you and uh, just go through some amazing experiences with these entrepreneurs. And the first one up 
he kind of busted his way through. This guy's got huge guns. He was, just came down with his shirt off. He's look at my guns. Anyway, we got Fraser from Transparent Kitchens. My friend, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast from Fireside. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I got to be more humble looking at you across the table here. I'm not, I'm not doing 100 push-ups next to you, that's for sure. <laughs> it's all good. So, dude, let's say, uh, you know, this podcast is all about ultimately uh, sharing stories of what you're all about with your entrepreneurial journey and kind of weaving in there some uh, lessons that you would have had as an entrepreneur. So let's kind of get down to your story. Tell us about it. Wonderful. I, I'm, I'm a country boy at heart. I uh, grew up in rural Ontario. Uh, for those that know the sort of Guelph, Ontario, Laura Fergus area, the Grand River Valley, um, our family settled there in the 1800s and we've had the family land ever since. Cool. So we have 120 acres still there. Um, part of it's still farming and then my parents built a beautiful little even eco retreat off the back end. No electricity in the old meadow. So what is a retreat? What does that mean? Is that uh, commercialized or is it just for your family? Just for our family. Um, you know, we, it's nothing like here at Fireside. It's yeah. one log cabin with no electricity and a little outhouse and a little meadow and, and it's not far up north, but it's just a little paradise not too far from our home. So it's, cool. I've always had this profound connection to what that is. And, yeah. and I think a lot of kids that grow up in rural communities often want to run away very quickly from them. Um, and I don't think they always appreciate truly how unique and actually the minority now. And something that people often, you know, there's all these amazing international entrepreneurs and health experts here this weekend. And they always say the same thing about Canada, right? That it's so vast and it's so big, but yet we're the most urbanized society in the world. Right. Is that right? Yes, 80% of Canadians live in, in cities. Yeah, and majority along the border with the states, right? Exactly. If you just add up that, you know, the Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal corridor, that's mm. that's more more than a third. It's almost half the country right there. So right rural experiences are actually a lot less than people think. And with more and more immigrants coming to Canada, you know, they're relocating just in the major cities and they don't get these type of experiences. So it's something that I've always embraced and I right. feel is very important for us to remember. Um, but there's lots that need to change there too. Our agricultural practices, our systems are fundamentally flawed. They're not going to be what takes our generation to the future. Right. There's, they're what's going to hold us back. So um, is this all what started your idea to get you into your business, Transparent Kitchen? For sure. Uh, it's Transparent Kitchens? Kitchen. Or, kitchen, okay. Uh, singular, cool. So, you know, I, I like so many, uh, for those that work in the restaurant industry, I uh, started as a, as a dishwasher and as a banquet server at, at the age of 13, 14 in grade 9. And nine. you got to earn your stripes, as they say. Um, as you might hear on this podcast, I was better at the gift of the gab than I was at chopping. Uh, so they quickly put me on the floor to schmooze the... Uh, the old ladies to <laughs> and get their bottles of wine. Told you, gang. Gun show, big smile. <laughs> Looking a bit of Adonis. Got the rough, uh, rough look happening. Yeah. Uh, but what I really did find is the, the connection with those tables was really important. And you really learn how to do multiple simultaneous sales constantly. So you're right. learning how to sell without really knowing that you're a salesperson at the start. That's cool. But I also love the story of the food. You know, when I got, I started getting into these beautiful restaurants with real chefs who are, you know, for those that have never experienced it, but when you see a, a, a halibut come in, a whole halibut, these, these fish can be six to 10 feet long, some of them, and the chef can cut it and portion it into hundreds of portions and they do it in-house scratch. It's an amazing experience to watch. Right. You see, a, our chef used to bring a whole Ontario lamb in, taking, butchering the whole lamb in the kitchen, using part of it for the tacos, part of it for the rack of lamb. It's just unbelievable. But how much of that ever gets passed to you at the table, right? right? Think of all of your dining experiences. How much do you really know? Right. We're food obsessed, yet how accessible is it really? Right. 
So that's really what started it all off, my, my love. So, so that started your love. How did you bring it into uh, a business? It, it really was a, a classic aha moment. Yeah. I was in a dining room. I was serving this table, this beautiful dish, and it was, in my eyes, perfect, and chef's eyes, perfect. And the customer sent it back before they even took one bite. And it just clicked with me. I was studying international economics at Ottawa U at the time, learning about theories of information. And the customer just didn't understand what they had ordered. They, they had, they'd seen some paper menu, some PDF menu online. They didn't understand the portion size, why we were charging $36. This fish literally came from the most beautiful part of the world. Probably six fishermen died to get it to us in downtown Ottawa. And, and here, this customer just didn't get it. Right. And I think, how is this possible? And that's what started off. I, I started looking at our, our, at our restaurant very differently then. I said, well, here we've built, we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars renovating this restaurant. We have, in the restaurant business, it's doubled the amount of, of staff to any other retail business. You need a back of house and front of house. Yes. All this labor costs, all this renovation, and all we have done to differentiate ourselves is we print our paper menu and we stick it in the window. Yeah, beautiful. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. But isn't that the beating heart of the restaurant? Totally it, isn't the menu, right? Yeah. And we, the keg was just so, several doors down. The milestones were several doors down, right? right? How would that guest come to appreciate why this halibut cost $36, why these mushrooms were hand-picked at the farm in, in, North, right. in Quebec, right. when the keg was charging $2 less and they at least knew what they were getting? So you, this is an actual physical location that you have created. Well, so then that was why I was working as a server. Yeah. So what we've done at Transparent Kitchen is is we've done something very simple to start. Yeah. We've just invented a beautiful photography system. Oh, yeah. It's a custom thing where we build the restaurant an interactive menu that replaces their boring PDF. Dude, that's awesome. So it plugs right into the restaurant's website. Yeah. So where that, you know, PDF, you've seen them a million times, yeah. doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. It's now this living organism where you can actually browse multiple of chef's favorite dishes and even see the raw ingredients that go into them. So we've actually shot a halibut. We've shoot salmon, we shoot all the radishes and similar to like Spotify, yeah. we save all of those actual content on the cloud on Amazon right. and we've built this database of ingredients and dishes in real time. That's so cool. Um, and more and more I think that's going to have to happen isn't it with regards to the whole restaurant food chain you're going to want to provide more and more information. Big time. Um, so what we see obviously it's a no-brainer. It's it's something so simple that guests would love to see. They, they don't want necessarily tablets at the table or some yeah. sushi experience yeah. everywhere but yeah. they do want to know more about what they're getting. Very cool. So the other big thing is is that restaurants just have never changed the way they make money. Yeah. Think of all the other industries, sports, accommodation, yeah. music. Yeah. Think of how many times their business model has changed. Yeah. But restaurants in 1760, when that first, you know, Mr. Boulanger, they call him, the first modern restaurateur, Boulanger, Boulanger in Paris. Yeah. Uh, he's maybe more myth than legend, but or than reality. But regardless of who did the first real restaurant, apparently he cooked sheep's feet in, in white wine sauce. So he ate, that was his special. Um, but all he did, what chef does now. Yeah. You would come in, he knows nothing about you. Right. You sit at the table, as a server, I look right. at you, right. I look at your age, I look at your gender, I look at all these things, there's a lot of prejudicial stuff, and I'm yeah. just trying to see how much money I can get out of you for the next hour. Very cool. So can, um, uh, can anybody in the world use your service, or you have a specific market focus? Is it, is it Ontario for now? How long, uh, if somebody in, in Atlanta, Canada wanted to use your service, could they do that? Yeah, so as a business, uh, we just uh, raised our first, we bootstrapped for the first two years. Nice. Uh, it was all of our server money to get, you know, the MVP going. Yeah. 
we got um, five restaurants in the top 100 list to participate with us. And now we have about 40 restaurants in Toronto and Ottawa that are using our service yeah, and in ha Hamilton and Niagara. Yeah, I love it. Um, That's your main focus in right now. And it's right now we're focusing on the scratch market. Chefs yeah. that cook from scratch, they don't all have to be organic, they don't have to all be local, but right. you have to have a real chef who cooks from scratch and has a vision about their food. And so what's the um, what's the, uh, the the one lesson? We got two minutes left. This has been awesome. One of the first of all, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, you can just go right on transparentkitchen.com, right on. and you can see our, our growing list of curated restaurants, right and on. all of their menus are in real time. You can eat that food right now. This isn't TripAdvisor and oh, some old thing. You can see the cod, you can see the taco, and you can enjoy that and make your booking. So you're a seasoned entrepreneur now. You made it over the two-year mark and more. So what's the one lesson that you would uh, give to the audience? They're waiting for, for this great bullet of, of, uh, of, of in, intuition that you might have, or just <laughs> thoughts, whatever you want to give. Uh, you know, I, I was saying earlier today that actually I, I don't want to impart any wisdom right now. I'm getting so much wisdom thrown at me. So I often hear that the best advice is those that you give to others, right? Um, I, I've been amazed actually how much of how systematic like this growth of entrepreneurship, all the cliches hold true. You actually get to these stages and then you have to figure out how to get to the next stage. Yeah. And it really is... I thought it would be far smoother in this this path, but it really is no plateau and then get to this it's next not one. not the way you thought it would no, be. No, it wasn't. I, I, I couldn't believe all these books were actually right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frazier, man, it's been awesome. I wish we had more time to chat. Thanks so much for coming in as my first guest today on the Startup Canada podcast, live from Fireside. My man, thank you. Cheers, <laughs>
uh, with IBM and I thought this is really, I, re I really want to tackle this problem and fix it and try to create this virtual dog park. And that was the beginning of Bark and Yap. And then as we started to evolve it, we, we started to understand that the, the businesses in this, in this marketplace really didn't understand also how to connect to their community. So we've morphed this into a much bigger project, but it's all about the love of animals. I have no children, my dogs are my family, mm -hmm. and this is 35 million people in North America. It's exactly the same boat. So, their dogs are their family. Yeah, so I'm, <clears> I'm a dog owner. I know lots of dog owners too. So for, for what I want to turn this into, yeah. into is a lesson for people who aren't dog owners at this point. <laughs> okay, Galen understands his market. And so what this is going to be about is getting into a deep, not just a, a objective understanding of your customer, but a, a subjective, though, though that emotional connection as to what drives them. So can you talk to us what you've learned about dog owners since you started barking down <laughs> go beyond yours sure i mean i'm one of them so i'm deeply yeah, man, embedded in this great. give me a hug but uh <laughs> but what we've what we've really understand now is that it's the the demographics changed dramatically um the millennial females are now the big target ah, and okay. that's actually been a huge learning for me is trying to figure out how to be a millennial female because right. <laughs> right. i have to yeah. i have to try what to target my audience um <laughs> and and in, in a good way hashtag not me so, uh, it, you know, it really is um, really understanding what their psyche is, what's going on. And then with all the information that they also are being bombarded with, how much of it is real, how much of it is fake, the, you know, should we be feeding raw, should we be doing... So there's so much information out there that we, you know, this has been the hardest thing for us is how do you harness all that? How do you find the right information? How do you try to bring that to people? But then put it in the context of the dog. So everything we do is in the dog's voice. So our all of our blogs are written from a dog's perspective. In fact, all of our bloggers are dogs. It's not humans, they're dogs. And so, because this is the voice that also our audience wants to, they, they give voice to their dog. You know, you as a dog owner, yeah. I'm sure you talk to your dog and your dog talks back to you. And thanks for asking. <laughs> Her name is Grace. She's working. And I love her to death. Yeah, and, the, and we love them all, right? Yeah. They're, and so that, that, that to me has been the big part of this is un, really understanding my market, understanding that demographic, spending a lot of time. I, I have a marketing background, so this is sort of a, for me, it's fascinating unraveling yes. this marketplace that I never looked at. I was a I was a B two B guy yeah. and didn't really have to think too much about the, the consumer side of it. But now trying to build community, right. um, and then the funding side of trying to build community has been extremely difficult in Canada because we don't build communities with a lot of what we do. Yeah. Um, this is really a you know U.S. play, San Francisco. Yeah. So I had to go out and try to connect to that community as well to find people who understood that to get even to get advisors and get mentors in that marketplace because we we didn't have that ecosystem so much here in Canada at this point in time so um, <clears throat> you're a marketer uh, one of the things he does do also is the dog signs up for the membership on to correct uh, barking yep. that's right so I haven't had the luxury of seeing the uh, <laughs> the website yet or the, the portal because at Fireside what they do is they make it very hard to get access to sell, sell right. alert to the internet and so on, but I am definitely going to do it. Um, can you talk about how your mind went and saying what the portal, what the platform's sure. going to look and feel like? What's sure. the process you went through? Because it's it's important. People just go, oh, I like the color red, so therefore right. therefore the site's going to be red. Yeah. Um, so I, we, we really, you know, one, yes, we had to find our colors and, and find color schemes, but it was all about... Um, again, our target market, what do they like? How do they want the, the, the images projected? So when you download our app, your walk through uh, uh, the, the onboarding is through our dog, uh, who a dog walks you through how to onboard. 
and talks to you the entire way through that. Uh, when you come to our website, um, we're we're in MVP side, so we're so the the website itself is not as glamour. It's much more of a um, uh, mapping and businesses. We're working on Gen two of that, which will have a much cleaner look and feel to it. That's going to speak more to the audience with you know person with their dog gazing out over a you know over over a, a mountain uh, you know so it's it's that imagery that you want to build into uh, what your site's all about that speaks to that audience right uh, but certainly from the mobile app perspective because that's most people are using yeah, the mobile sure. app yeah, totally. we spent a lot of time with an OCE grant uh, which was great from the government to be able to help us build out that mobile so app tell us yep. tell everybody what that is what's an OCE? so OCE grant uh, OCE is the uh, Ontario Centers of Excellence yeah. uh, we ended up with Smart Start grant uh, which right. uh, was really focused at Dan, uh, Correct. Yeah, Dan. Dan is involved in that on uh, on OCE, and so that really helps you know startups with you define what your problem is, uh, identify your budget, and they have certain clip levels uh, depending on your age. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, we, if you want to get into ages, I'm happy to talk about that too, uh, because I got I, I couldn't me, <laughs> I could not get the funding that say a 29 year old yeah, uh, would get. Yeah. I get a le- I get a lesser amount because yeah. they think that us older people can pay more. So uh, I can rant on that if you want. But uh, that being said, the money is fantastic. It really helps. It's a matching fund. So you have to come up with half the funds yourself, whether it's through through money you're making on your site or uh, through uh, arms length investment. And that really helps, I think, uh, to get a lot of business to start. Now, the Smart Start program doesn't exist. And talking to to Dan, I think they're retooling and it's going to come up with something else. But fantastic to have that level of support cool. uh, from the government as well. So community, uh, I'm going to dive back into yeah. that. Um, your community, is there a, a geographic um, catchment of that now where most of your community members are? And you're mm-hmm. nodding yes, so therefore my next question would be from expansion. How do you take this community model and bring it to Halifax, Nova Scotia, sure. or Regina, Saskatchewan? And have to talk about it because this is actually the learnings, right? Um, right? With some failures along the way, and how do you retrench? So we came out and we said, because this is going to go out on, on the web, we need to be across Canada. Mm. So we spent the time and put the data points in. We have 6,000 data points across, the, well, from Ottawa to Vancouver. We had to stop at the border because of French language. We didn't have the money to do that. So we yep. went from Ottawa to Vancouver, seeded that ourselves. It's, it's, these are businesses. So we're talking um, uh, daycares, uh, dog walkers, uh, um, retailers. And then we also have dog parks and trails and things like that. 6,000 data points dog owners can go and, and access. And then we went out and we tried to build community in all these cities. And we quickly realized we were going to blow our brains out from a budget perspective. Yeah. And so that was the pivot was yeah. let's rescale this back down, scaled it back to Toronto. And then we said, no, we need to go back even lower. And we said, where is our demographic? Right. Our demographic is in downtown Toronto, City Place, Liberty Village, and uh, Trinity Bellwoods. Right. The high density of dog owners, high density of our, our target market. So we went and we set up an office in there and we spent the last year and a half that's our target area to build that out. We have 1,600 members now, but 80% of those are in that area. We have 200 businesses that are now working with us on our platform. Um, And then what we'll end up doing is we look at creating um, ambassadors. We're gonna call our dog park ambassadors and they'll work in those communities to then help us, or these are our super users. They'll activate their community and then we'll be able to do community source data as well. So we wanna have the most up-to-date and relevant data that will come from the users. So that's how we will end up growing back out across the country after after our false start across the country. 
and then eventually Halifax, okay. and then Halifax would be, if we can get ambassadors in that area, right. they become the supporters and they're the ones putting the data in to help build and grow that community with our backstop and support. Right. <clears throat> One of the things that Galen did when he came here, uh, and I first met him, um, it, it's been a wonderful friendship we developed, but he, he, we thought, he found out I was a dog and he gave me a little uh, kerchief for racing <laughs> to put around it. What I liked about that was you try to create a touch point with your customer that's a little bit different, but the dog was still the hero that's in the right. touch point. That's it wasn't a t-shirt for me, it was something for her. Yeah. And not it was just a kerchief, she's a little nine pounder, she's not a 90 pound. So, you know, do you constantly, are you constantly, when you're sitting in meetings with your team, you say, well, is that what the dog would want? Yeah, exactly. And in fact, if you see pictures, any picture of me, you see it on, on uh, LinkedIn. I've got dogs, uh, posters on the walls. Uh, I've bid on a big uh, big thing yeah, here. Yeah, I saw that. Auctioneer I for a dog. It, I, everything for me is all around the dog. And we uh, also run the largest uh, Halloween dog event in Toronto. Right. Uh, it's going to be October 28th this year. And we hopefully are around 250 Dogs in costumes with humans in costumes. Super fun event. We had 120 last year. And it goes to charity. We, we started our own program, the Smart Start Shelter and Rescue Program. We have about eight rescues that are involved that we dispense money out through them. Yeah. When people join that are members of those, we donate dollars back to them as well. So right. it, for us, it's all about giving back into that community and want to be part of part of making a better ecosystem for dog owners. Right. That's really our focus and guidance is how do we make life better for dog owners? It's a passion and you know, again, as these are my kids, I want to, I want to make yeah. it the best. Well, even them. when you have kids, they're still your kids. I was telling Galen a story about, remember when I used to take my kids to their grandparents and you drop the kids off, you felt more bad about dropping the dog off than you did the kids. That's right. They look at you longingly. When are yeah. you coming home, dad? Yeah, when are you coming home? So, uh, Galen, how do people get a hold of you, my friend? Because I know there's a ton of them on this show that are going to lean in and want to. Sure. Uh, they can find us at BarkingYap.com. Uh, yeah, and they that's can, two P's, right? Uh, two P's, yep. Barking yep. Yap with an app, app, basically. App, app, yep. uh, and they can also find us on uh, iOS and on Android. Right. Uh, just look for Barking Yap with an apostrophe and Y-A-P-P. Yes. Uh, and then you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on there. We're on uh, Instagram, so Facebook, Udell. U-D-E-L-L. U-D-E-L-L. Yeah, I'm really happy to work with any young uh, startups as well and try to coach and mentor wherever I can yeah. and give back to the community. Um, with Barking App, uh, Instagram, we're very active on there, uh, very active on Facebook, uh, Twitter. So you can find us on all the social areas. My privilege, man. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you very much. Urs. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Okay, back at Fireside Conference. You know, one of the great things about Fireside is you go into cabins. And um, this year, my cabin is, um, oh, what is it called? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And you know, I met Ilya in, in Spider-Man, and he's got an organization called Van Hack. And I said, man, you got to come on the podcast. And he said, yeah, I'm going to go on the podcast. <laughs> and so here we are. And so, first of all, uh, you just came from the Netherlands to come here. Yeah, Luxembourg. Luxembourg, okay. Yeah, close by. Yeah, so tell us a bit about that story. Yeah. And then we're going to get into a little bit of Van Hack, a little bit of lessons you learned, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. So um, we've been location dependent, traveling for about two and a half years now. First one down to Startup Chile uh, in the program there. Yeah, it's a great program down there. Yeah, it was, it was really helpful for us. Kind of, I was working at home before and this got me an office, mentorship, surrounded by the right people, some, some uh, money from the government to help boost the company. Uh, and then from there, I met someone who was doing tech stars in Berlin. 
and he made an introduction to the MD there, and we got to go to Berlin. Right. Thought we were gonna stay there for six, uh, three months, ended yeah. up staying for for nine. Right. And started thinking, how do we keep keep going to to uh, keep staying in Europe because we expanded the business out there, and there's a, it's a huge market. And we found this program in Luxembourg um, that helped you incorporate in, in, in Europe and also um, give you some some mentorship and connections and stuff like that. And that's why uh, we were there. So we've just been kind of going around the world, finding all these different programs to help us grow our business in, in different locations. And, and who's uh, we? Uh, my wife and I, yes. uh, <laughs> uh, Giselle, and uh, and then we also have a team. We're a remote company, so we have a team of about uh, 25 people now. So Giselle, I heard that she's a, a dentist. Yes. Yeah. So yes. how does she uh, how does she move throughout the world with you <laughs> in Van Hatch? Yeah. So she she's helped helped me with the business now, uh, helping with design, content, nice. uh, and more, just keeping me sane and keeping me in check. <laughs> so let's talk and, about that first. I I do want to get to Van Hatch. Yeah. No problem. But we're talking about a dynamic of uh, a husband and wife team. Yep. That's building, and you know, a lot of people say there's no freaking way I'm going to build a business <laughs> with my wife or my husband. Yeah. How do you guys make that happen? Because uh, you do it at a totally different level because you're you're traveling the world also yeah well there's a lot of positives i think um you know there's no one that you trust more right and right. so talking about like a co-founder or a business partner um it's kind of like you, 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 there's just no one else that in the world that you could trust more than than, than your spouse or i guess your parents but really yeah, you don't want sure. to do business with but them you're not traveling with your yeah. parents yeah yeah exactly um and then also it's really nice for us because we you know we, we can travel together like if yes. if she was for example a dentist in a specific country and i yeah. I was off in Berlin, like it just wouldn't work. So right. it's really nice for us to have that flexibility and be able to, to see the world together and then also uh, build our business. And then uh, she calls me out on, on you know things that I should be doing better and, and uh, Well, I noticed she's very quiet, but something tells me on the other side that <laughs> <laughs> she's not very quiet. <laughs> So yeah. uh, so let's talk about Van Hack. Tell sure. us what's the uh, what's the essence of the business, the pain point that you guys are uh, dealing with, clientele, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Definitely. So we are building a, a community of developers that want to get jobs abroad. And we help companies on the other side find developers that want to relocate to their city, um, allowing them to add more senior talent and diversity to their teams. And dating. Um, That's sorry. what you're doing. You're, it's, yeah. a it's a dating business for developers. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Recruiting. Yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. <laughs> Matchmaking. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So yeah. and it's totally a need for that. I mean, there's yeah. one thing in my world that I hear a lot yeah. of. I need to find a developer. I need yeah. the developer. So, yeah. uh, so sorry, keep on going. No, no. We, we we found, we tapped into this amazing community of developers from around the world. From We have now 180,000 members from over 120 180, countries. 180,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably more now. About 1,000 join every week. Yeah. And um, you know, we verify them, make sure that they have the right English skills, the right coding skills, and uh, we connect them. And, and, and the best like the differentiator between us and everyone else that we can find senior developers very quickly so we've been able to make hires and uh, like on the first call like five minutes after I have a conversation with someone I send them a resume of a developer that they hire right. um, and that's very rare in like the, if you look locally so we already have the candidates the developers in our pool because we create content which started as an English school for developers oh, yeah. teaching them cool. soft skills cool. and that that built the community the supply side and then we turn around to companies and say hey do you need this developer and I can get them for you in minutes rather than months yeah. um, so that's a big difference yeah and they've been vetted through you because yeah and they've got, you've got the credibility yeah. so what's your background personal background uh personally i guess more sales marketing yeah. um i've always been kind of trying to sell something since i was a kid and and uh, going around you know lemonade stands and all that i went to school in the u.s for for commerce um and then actually got to go to brazil for university uh, after university to work down there cool. for a mining company yeah. kind of realized that wasn't for me but their startup scene was really blown up there yeah. so I, I went and worked in an accelerator 
uh, in Rio for about a year, and that's it's, where I found this kind of problem. Yeah, and I, I think it's a great lesson that's being you're teaching to our audience right now. When I ask the question, is you're not a developer? No, you're a sales. I tried. <laughs> yeah, sales marketing, yeah. and uh, and you know I have a business that that. I'm a, a dating or agency for chefs okay. that are looking for opportunities. Cool. And I'm not a chef. I hate to cook. Right. But I saw a pain point. I recognize it. And I just surround myself with people that know that language of food yeah. as you do with the developer side of it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so that's very, very cool. Um, why is, is it really that difficult to find developers? Uh, well, I think it... it it's hard to find local candidates just because like right now i think the ictc which is a national uh, organization a government organization say projected that there's a, about a two hundred thousand open tech jobs right now in canada specific two hundred thousand open wow. tech jobs yeah, yeah across the country um i think that's the projection for 2019 which is pretty much now yeah. um and so yeah especially for senior talent like i think there's a lot of great programs like lighthouse and code core and, and uh, brain station pumping out great junior devs right. but there's not that many dev developers in canada that learn how to code 10 or 15 years ago right um and you know you have companies here like especially amazon and microsoft opening up shop pulling out all the local talent paying them 250k or 150k or whatever it is and if you're a local mid-sized startup it just you can't find that senior dev yeah. and that's where we come in so we right. replenishing the talent pool bringing in talent from all over the world adding diversity adding different perspectives um and of course that that talent that then mentors the junior developers like we have a lot of cases where candidates come in and are mentors for the co-op students and help bring them back bring them up and, and train them so what's a typical senior dev uh, look like you know what's their demographic psychographic yeah so all, all most of our candidates are between 30 35 years old married some of them have young kids they're looking for quality of life that's why they come to us so we help them move to places like canada and europe mm -hmm. um and soon other countries too mm. but uh yeah um five ten years experience um i guess like all the typical tech languages python ruby javascript etc right uh that are in demand so um uh I would think, you know, when I think of Canada, I don't think Canadians really move around a lot. Americans do, do a lot more than what we do. Um, is there a great desire now to come to other countries and and, and uh, to take those senior devs and say, I'm, I'm going to move the family? Uh, well, most of our talent is from uh, kind of, I would say, not, not not from Canada. They're, they're right. from places like South America, Eastern right. Europe, okay. um, and and that, and they're they're looking for like a place a, a place like Canada to move to. Right. Uh, the challenge with Canada is that a lot of our developers are, are moving down to the states, yeah. and so that leaves you know yeah. our local companies, especially uh, in, See, in it happening a lot. Yeah, and especially yeah. in cities like Winnipeg or, or, or Fredericton. Fredericton yeah, uh, yeah, so um, our candidates actually, it's a really nice fit because like we've helped over a hundred developers move to Winnipeg, wow. one hundred fifty now actually, wow. and. Um, you know they're really happy there because the quality of life and the cost of living is really is really good yes. and so for them like you know that's an awesome place to start a life in canada versus um i don't know maybe someone who's living in toronto it's a lot harder to sell to get them to move to fredericton or to or winnipeg or saskatoon or something like that so you're a sales and marketing guy how do you market your business uh well on the talent side we, we have a lot of content we actually i always say we're a media company so we created like educational content videos Brilliant. youtube uh video um, webinars uh social media uh, and then uh, on the B2B side, on the company side, we're working hard on creating more content on that, that side too. So educa like education on both sides, I would say. So teaching, teaching about, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think every company is a media company if you look at it. So for marketing, we have to create good educational content. Like for example, for, for companies in Canada, there's a new tech visa, fast track visa for tech talent. Yeah, so right. we educate companies on how to use that and have right. software that helps them through that process. So I'm gonna ask you one more question because I'm a big fan of the Startup Chile uh, um, model of, of mm. bringing 
startups in their country, and I've, I've actually interviewed the, uh, the the folks that started that mm. big, beautiful uh, country and beautiful people. Yeah. How did that program help you guys? It was life changing, really. Um, when we were before the program, like I, it was me, uh, the only person working full time was myself, um, and then there was like it just. It, it just was we're kind of in this not rut but like a little bit stuck in terms of the everything was the same and i was working at home and i was getting a little bit like frustrated and and i didn't have that support system even though i was in in vancouver it just wasn't i just didn't i don't know it wasn't the right spot for us and and going to chile it um first we get thirty thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars uh equity free money which we just poured into facebook ads and helped us grow the business uh second it helped us connect us to Techstars in berlin which was also really good program um and but most importantly it gave us that um i guess focus so i would go to the office every day have a place to work have entrepreneurs i could bounce ideas off of and it, it, it was really helpful that way to have that support very cool. So how do people get a hold of you in VanHack? Yeah, please, please get in touch. Uh, VanHack.com um, or I-L-Y-A, Ilya at VanHack.com. It's pretty easy to send us an email. Also? Of course, yeah. yeah. Very, very active on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, add me on LinkedIn. I love to chat. Honored to talk to you, man. Thank, yeah, thank you so you. much. Thank you, Rivers. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Back at Fireside Conference, uh, overlooking the beautiful uh, lake. Walden is it Lake, Lake Walden is it is that what it's called? I think so. That's what it's called today. That's what it's called today. It's Lake Walden, <laughs> and we're just hanging out with really cool people, doing amazing stories, entrepreneurs from uh, from uh, around the country, uh, but also people who have come from other countries to be here today. And we have uh, I I met Albert this morning uh, or last night, sorry, uh, uh, this and, morning. Actually. This morning, and uh, that's right. Then at lunch, we had lunch together. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's originally from Morocco, came to Canada as a kid, went to Montreal, then to Toronto. And uh, he's got an amazing company called Swift Count. And would love to tell us, tell us your story, man. So Swift Count is a company dedicated to help small businesses manage their products, basically. And it was born out of a long experience that I have as a, as a offering service in the inventory industry. Yes. And having been approached by a lot of companies that wanted to use our services, but we were more into the industrial type of inventory counting. Okay. We had a lot of um, requests for smaller businesses that just want to know what they have because companies don't realize that inventory is everything. I yes. mean, if you have a coffee shop, if you have a restaurant, if you don't know what you have, you're missing opportunity or you're overstocked, you're missing what you have. Uh, so the idea was really born to try to help smaller entrepreneurs. We've We've actually helped some larger companies manage inventory. We've had some great successes, but not scalable because it was very specific and very hands-on. Right. And we decided that you know we can put something together to help smaller companies and have it a little more scalable in the sense that they can do it themselves. They can give them the tools. So we have a great team. We've been working for a couple of years on this program. We're still in the infancy of the program. We have probably about 50 customers at this point. Okay, but so you are commercialized. We, we are commercialized. Mm-hmm. We're commercialized. We haven't gone after uh, trying to get funds yet. We want to get yeah. a little more traction sure. before we get there yeah, because we, we understand the critical parts. We've been actually, we met Joss last year here as well. And, you know, so she's, she's a great She resource. knows everybody. She's wonderful. Well, actually, thanks to her, the, the best side of, of Fireside so far has been the, meet, the people I've met. And thanks to Joss. We've actually onboarded some of the people on our team that have been amazing as well because we met them through oh, cool. through Fireside. Yeah, so, that's so yeah, so we're at the point now where we're just putting a, a massive effort on marketing, and we're going to try to get some traction. And once we can prove a model that we we know is repeatable, we'll go after try to get some investors. So let's talk about inventory because when you hear about most entrepreneurs, 
it's it's the cash is king motto but then the other one is is they think accounts receivable is actually even though it's an asset it's not a revenue asset until it ends up in your hands so talk about the importance of inventory because it's, it's not talked about much in the circles of financial management absolutely inventory is critical i mean companies don't realize that their largest asset is their inventory if you have too much of it you have cash that's tied up if you don't have enough you're missing sales if you can't plan what you need you're actually missing opportunities so because it's not a visible thing it's just a number on the balance sheet it's really hard for companies to wrap their head around typically you have most small to medium sized companies have a founder who's usually a very good salesperson and who's just gonna go and sell 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 right and the idea of sell 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 sometimes you forget that you have some stuff that's sitting there you want to sell the new widget you want to sell the new exciting stuff so if you don't have a good handle on what you have and what you need you sometimes kind of have stuff that's sleeping in a corner of the warehouse that you don't realize that's been there. Or even mm. in a restaurant, you have mm. maybe some, some type of alcohol that doesn't sell. And you just leave it there because it's not really what's driving your business. And because of that, you have a tendency to kind of forget about it. And then at the end of the day, you realize that your cash may be low. And then when you really look at it, your cash is actually tied up in goods that are sitting on the floor that haven't been managed properly. Right, right. So do you give them data and they decide as to how they're going to manage that data or you actually help them make decisions with that data? So the focus of, in our previous business, we did a lot of that, but really the focus of SwiftCount is to give them the tool to very easily manage that. Right. So for example, there is a, a phone app that they can very easily go and, and, and count what they have. We can give them the ability to receive, we can give them the ability to ship. And the other thing that we do is we have, we are like an integration point. We integrate to different points of, of uh, movements. Okay. So for example, if you're managing your, your business through something like QuickBooks Online, we'll connect to QuickBooks Online and every time ah, you, you move okay. something, we'll actually tell QuickBooks Online. But we're also integrating to some online shops like Shopify or eBay or Magento or there's a whole bunch of them. So being able to see your different inventory in the different portals that you have, we're able to capture through an API call to know that the inventory has been adjusted. So if you sell something on Shopify, we can tell your Amazon store that this is no longer available. Brilliant. Because more and more now, I mean, the world of online shopping is huge, obviously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and one of the things that's even worse that not selling something is selling it and not having it in stock. So yes. if you're selling on multiple platform and you're not able to cross-reference between the platform, that can be pretty critical. So having an easy tool that's very inexpensive, very simple to use, that's really the focus of what we're trying to offer. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, when you're dealing with an organization like Amazon and you continuously do not have inventory, you probably won't be welcomed on Amazon for very Absolutely. long. Absolutely. I mean, it's all about ratings. It's all about settings. It's, you know, you mess up a couple of times and, you're, and you're, not only your reviews go down, so yes. that hurts a lot, but yes. also your overall ranking within Amazon will go down as well. So it's really important to know what you have so be able. have you had conversations with Amazon about what you're doing? Not with Amazon, no. So who have you had within that supplier group that you've had conversations well, we're, with? We're not really having conversation with the big companies. We're actually having conversation with the retailers right. and, you know, to make sure that whoever they connect to, we're actually integrated to. The, the reason I asked the question centers around access to people in large organizations and you've been in sales for a while. So how would you recommend to somebody who wants to get connected to these big companies to start the journey? Because a lot of people say, oh, that's too big. They're not going to want to talk to me. I'm not sure if I can answer that. But that's not really my area of expertise. My area of expertise is really more, if you have something to sell, then 
it's not really about approaching the Amazon. It's being able to sell on their platform. I mean, they have a tons of tools that you can use to just sell on their platform. Okay. And then once you sell on the platform, our role is to give them the tool to manage what they're selling and make sure they have it when necessary. Okay, love it. So I'm a big branding guy. Why the name Swift Count? That's a good question, actually. We were actually brainstorming to find a name that represented what we wanted to do. And as part of the process, we actually were trying to look at what names do we like. So something that we do similar to Swift Count, the one thing that, that kind of represents, in my opinion, what they do well is QuickBooks. I love the name QuickBooks. Yeah. It's a very yeah. easy name, makes you want to do your accounting. Sounds, so we were brainstorming and trying to find something that would work as well. And we came up with QuickCount, yeah. which we thought was cute. And that was not available when we did the search online, but Swift Count was. And then we realized that Swift Count is actually even better because Swift is better than Quick. It's quick, <laughs> but it's quick and elegant. So we found the name Swift Count really appropriate for what we're trying to convey. Doing accounts swiftly, simply, elegantly. That's what we're trying to be all about. What I love about what you did is you took the, the time to think about what it is that you wanted to do with the name of your company. And so many people don't do that. They just pick and go with it. Absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 in my opinion, it's critical. And as we, as we scale, I mean, right now we're still small, but as we scale, hopefully the name will become recognizable and, and easy to remember. So you coming to Fireside next year? Probably. Yeah. I really enjoyed it last year. I met some amazing people. Yeah, and I'm, you know, it's just having a great time. The conversation, the people that we meet, like you, like yeah. Jess, you know, it's, it's it's really amazing. Why I ask is so a year from now, what can we expect? How the, how's the conversation going to go next year as to what Swift Count's done in 365? Well, hopefully this year is going to be a pivotal year because we just onboarded a director of marketing and I made him a partner, which yeah. is actually hopefully going to he really did a take pitch us. yesterday. Too. He did a pitch <laughs> yesterday. I was very impressed with his pitch. I didn't even know he was doing a pitch, so it was a little bit <laughs> of a surprise. And apparently he almost made it into the cut, according to Jess. Yes. He, you know, he was just and you know so so th that's great so uh, we we have some big plans together the focus up to now has been really to get the technology going we're ready we have a product that's out there we have some test customer we actually have some uh, customers are actually on board with us to develop a story yes which is the next step yes. and then really the the next 12 months are going to be hopefully uh we're going to start seeing some some traction and some movement and you know We'll talk next year and yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll, do it for we'll sure. laugh about it. Yeah, well, one thing I love about the conversation with you, my friend, is that, uh, is one, I can see your passion for entrepreneurship, two, uh, your passion for your business, but also you're a good guy. And you can see that very quickly in the, in the friendship that we created now. So how do people get a hold of you in Swift Count? Uh, my name is Albert, and uh, this email is fairly simple, albert at swiftcount.com. Perfect. So swiftcount.com also. If mm -hmm. they can get a hold and uh, we'll take it from there. Keep them happy. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Startup Canada Podcast Fireside Conference Edition. Um, we're going to chat with Ben now. And Ben has touched something that's very important to me. I love music. And particularly, I'm a Bose wireless speaker guy until I met Ben mm -hmm. uh, with his company, and uh, it's called? Riverwood Acoustics. Riverwood Acoustics. I know it had river in it, but I just want to make sure I got the yeah. wood. Yeah. Riverwood Acoustics, and his story is absolutely amazing. We talked yesterday or this morning, I can't remember yeah. what it was, about your story, and yeah. uh, you get your business partner, Scott, here, who mm -hmm. says, no way, I don't want to be. He's, 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 he's even walking for our way. Like, he's the shy one. <laughs> So Ben, let's kind of take your journey because it's a, it's a pretty cool journey as to how you started Riverwood Acoustics. Yeah, so uh, a couple of years ago, um, I've noticed the trend in the market is all these 
Bluetooth home wireless speakers and stuff like that. And they're this plastic inanimate, poor quality sound device right. that you have in a beautiful house, yet it has no soul, it has no substance, you know, and it has terrible sound. And as a music guy, I want high quality sound and I want something that really ties into the room, looks nice. So when you say you're a music guy, what does that mean to you? So, so I absolutely, since I was a kid, I've been to probably thousands of concerts. Oh, yeah? I, I've tried playing the guitar. I'm terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I sing like everyone else in the car and in yeah. the shower, but that's yeah. about it. Right <laughs> but uh, yeah. And so uh, I got to ask you this because this uh, goes through, what's your favorite concert that you've ever been to? What's um, the one you go, would go to again and again and again? So just recently, actually, it would uh, be this one right here on my sweater. Brett Kissel. Brett Kissel. He's a country uh, music star. He actually has our first speaker that uh, we, we just shipped uh and we gave them at the that's concert. Right. That's right. Yeah. your pitch yesterday. Yeah. We were talking yeah. about him and yeah. Bruce Croxton. And yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the angel uh, on the dragon stand. Yeah. So we have some early adopters of our uh, our speakers. And it gives more validation that people do want a high quality product. They want that high quality sound and that look. Yeah. And we have that unique story on our speaker. Because it's made from uh, reclaimed riverwood from the 1800s logging drive. Yeah. So during the 1800s logs used to flow down the Ottawa River yeah. and during uh, the voyage a lot of them sunk to the bottom and lay preserved for over a century right. and now our eco divers retrieve these logs and we turn them into this one-of-a-kind acoustic masterpiece. Yeah I love it. Yeah. So um, when you, I want to know what type of research you did. There's two questions. I'm gonna, yeah. Actually I'm going to say another one first. How did how did you get one of your speakers in the hands of Bruce Cox Croxon and Brett Kessel? Okay, so for Bruce, uh, my uh, co-founder Scott and I, we uh, we had the idea of this uh, a couple of years ago. So we started the development. It takes about uh, in hardware and electronics and acoustics. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you again right yeah. here for a sec because this is important. I, I want you to tell our audience right now how to get access because I want them to see your speaker while you're talking about it because it's a beautiful it beautiful yeah. beautiful uh, speaker yeah. and so can, can you just say right now as to how they can so they can pull it up yeah look at it while you're listening while yeah. you're talking so online www.riverwoodacoustics.com and the flash sheet is just various pictures right. of it and it's go beautiful on there now, go on there while buy talking. while you can <laughs> because we have right. limited quantities right currently on. yeah so, uh, we so met, you go there now and we're going to continue the conversation. Yes. So, uh, yeah, we met Bruce at uh, Startup Canada on the hill, on Parliament Hill. Yeah, yeah. Um, last year. Oh, you were there? Cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, he was there. I just uh, happened to approach him, showed him the speaker. He uh, He's a music, big music guy, and he's also very ecological, friendly, etc. So he saw the speaker. He said, wow, that's beautiful. And this was one of our prototypes. So it was still like, he still has it in his office now or wherever he has it. Yeah. And it's like our old back panel and old electronics pack, uh, like yeah, yeah. the first generation yeah. one. And, uh, he's been great. He's tweeted about us a couple times and stuff like that. We're in contact the odd time. Oh, yeah, cool. it's great. He's a great guy. Super nice yeah, guy. Yeah. Really nice guy. You know, I think that's a lesson with these celebrities through my career and doing what I do. I found that 99% of these people are so yeah. genuine in what they're doing and they want to connect with you and they yeah. want to help any way they can. So so this started with a passion and a problem that you saw with recurrence of these classic casings mm -hmm. and the ambiance of the look and so on. So what research did you do ahead of time or did you just dive in and make it happen? Uh, so yeah, it was more or less a uh, dive in. Uh, I we. 
I live on the Ottawa River and I saw every spring I get logs wash up and yeah. I said, well, I've seen the high-end furniture and the flooring made out of it. And, yeah. and I previously designed some electronics for speaker companies, the major U.S. tower-based ones, etc. Right. So I said, well, the market has totally shifted to this home wireless. So that's where the market's going. But they're also going with the, the cheap plastic made uh, low cost solutions. There's no true high end ones like there were for the towers. Right, right. So, so we're, we're trying to hit that market of the people who want that premium product and something that will tie into today's decor as well. Very cool. Your partner, Scott, and I do want to talk yeah. to shout out to him. He's a great guy and, yeah. uh, and uh, I, you're an engineer, right? That's correct. Yeah, I, yeah. Saw you, I saw your ring yesterday and yeah. so how did you two come together as a team? Yeah, so it's pretty funny. We live uh, five minutes down the road from each other out in uh, the Renfrew County area. Right. And uh, we met through uh, daycare. Both our kids go to the same daycare. Right. And then our wives started hanging out a lot more. And yeah. then uh, we started hanging out when the wives and the kids are yeah, all playing. Dude. And then we got talking one day. I'm like, what do you think about this? He's like, you know, I'm a, a mechanical engineer and woodworking's my passion. Yeah. I'm like, want to do it? And he's like, sure. <laughs> so it's it. been great. Yeah, yeah it's, it. it's been a ride since, yeah. So uh, how long has business been, been in place? So we've started product development uh, 2017. Mm -hmm. It takes about a year to design a product and then uh, six months to get production kind of you do squared away. Yourself? Uh, we do the final assembly and test right. the uh, the wood cabinets. Now we have a, a local shop that's ten minutes down the road from us. They do the uh, CNC machining and then the final uh, box uh, manufacturing to our drawings and specifications. So this is a question because I think it's an important lesson again that that a lot of people think that they have to be involved with every, particularly when it comes to product, everything that's involved with their product. They don't look to outsource even just a part of the process. Right. So what do you say to people like that in your journey that if you had brought it inside, what could that have meant versus having somebody else do it? So early on for us, production costs to, to buy the equipment that they have, yeah. this cabinet making facility, yes. we'd be looking at multiple millions of dollars. Really? Yeah, it's, it's that, yeah. that huge high-end automated yeah, CNC yeah. machining yeah. and planing and everything. So right, right. Very, we very would, our, our barrier entry would not have been possible. Right. So, it, and they have been fabulous to work for. Yeah, that's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So uh, Ben, take me home with a, um, we've got about one minute left. Okay. How do you, and, and, I, and I think it's important because I've met the both of you and I can get back to, uh, to Scott and you. And, and again, your product is absolutely amazing. Thank uh, you. And I highly recommend, I'm glad we talked about the, the, how yeah. to get the view of it while this, we're talking. But the, from the point of view of partnership, how do you guys work together? I mean, obviously you go to Fireside Conference together, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but how do you organize your roles as a team? So primarily uh, early on, it was we both handled product development because in that's order to, was, yeah. that's yeah, what it yeah, was. Yeah. So first get the product and then yeah. sell it and right. produce it, et cetera. So I handled the electronics and acoustics. Scott handled the, uh, the woodworking and the mechanical design, stuff like that. And then now that we actually have a product, Scott's handling a lot of the production side. Sure. I'm handling, I'm kind of transitioning roles into this business development trying sure. to take over some uh, more of the marketing and uh, that sort of thing as well very cool yeah um, very cool 
So um, I got one other personal question for yep. you because I'm, I am interested in uh, what's your second best concert that you saw? The second best one, uh, I'm actually a huge Blue Rodeo fan as yeah, well. Right yeah, right Yeah, so I've seen them probably around 15 times Holy over crap, the years. Dude, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. good Canadian yeah, band. Yeah, awesome. yeah. So, and we're both huge country fans yeah. uh, living out in the country. That's yeah, so absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Well, they've and they've uh, these guys have uh, through Riverwood Acoustics have put uh, one of their speakers in the uh, silent auction. Yours truly is watching it because I want to be the owner of that speaker. So, uh, so Ben and Scott, thanks so much for uh, being a part of the podcast and uh, uh, just congratulations on your journey. It's really cool. Yeah, thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, hi, we're back at the, uh, the Fireside Conference 2018, and you know what's really great about the conference is the people who are part of the conference, and one of them is Damien. Damien uh, has been just amazing in helping us with the, uh, with the technical piece of this, and really appreciate that, and he said, you know what, I'd like to be on the podcast show. Why not? So, uh, I heard a little bit about your journey, mm -hmm. and Damien, one of the things that we want to sprinkle into this, because the audience are entrepreneurs, sure. is, a, is a bit of your entrepreneurial journey, but let's start about, let's start about, uh, about your life. Sure. Tell us, a, tell us let's, let's start, what's your story? Okay. Uh, so French born, uh, parents met on a bus in New York City. A bus? Uh, a bus. Um, my mom was from Brooklyn, so I grew up kind of as a ping pong ball between both countries um, and found my calling in higher education. Worked in higher ed as an administrator for about 13 years all over the United States uh, and then left that to find something else and was recruited by Evian Water. Uh, mm -hmm. So I worked for Dan and Company for a little over a year and thrust me right smack dab in the middle of the hospitality industry as a brand ambassador, selling water to the top clubs, restaurants, bars, etc. Cool. Uh, very cool job. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm somebody who keeps his eyes open and I pay attention. And so visiting 100 venues a week, I notice a lot of things, I paid attention. And I found little gaps in, in different operations. And I saw that as an opportunity to not only help people as a good colleague, uh, but also it helped me sell some water. Right. Um, you know, you, you do some things to help with their marketing or their uh, frontline staff training or, you know, making connections where possible. And they're going to do you a favor by bringing on your brand, right. whether it was right. Evian or somebody else. Right. Yeah, and particularly with water, I mean, yep. they've got to have that differentiator in Absolutely. there. And you're a premium brand, so why the extra? So, yeah. uh, so uh, let's keep talking on that. I want to continue on your story. Sure. But what were some of the unique things that you would have done, or I call them the zag things that you would have done to, to, to one, develop that relationship, but mm -hmm. then maintain it because it's like personal relations any of them you what you did day one isn't going to work in day 10 right right well i i pretty quickly adopted the idea that it was relationships first business later so yeah, That's right. uh, i spent a lot of time with them um and the the main thing to answer your specific question would i developed a lot of um dining groups okay um i already before i got the job with evian i and this is part of the reason why i got the job was I ran New York City's largest sushi group. Okay. Uh, it's something that I That's enjoyed great. on the side, and yeah. so as an administrator, to, to get my yeah. my appetite going, I I assembled through Meetup.com. You know, yeah, great yeah, company. Of yeah, wonderful. Um, 
I assembled these people that loved sushi. And to this day, I still keep in contact with them. That's awesome. Uh, but Evian saw that in the interview process and they said, look, this guy can develop relationships with right, restaurants. Right, right. He can make it work. So I, I developed more different types of dining groups and I was able to go to my clients or potential clients and say, look, I'll bring you some business. Uh, and that little piece really, really helped as a zag, you know, in terms yeah. of doing more than the next brand ambassador. Right. Uh, and, right. and I was very patient. I didn't, didn't come in a sale, as a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really focused on the relationship. I got to know them. I got to know their families. Mm. Um, I hooked them up where I could with things that I knew would be important to them. You know, some people have little kids. I'm going to find tickets to the chocolate show. Right. Some of them like tennis. Yeah, they're going to the U.S. Open because we're a big sponsor. And how did you keep track of all these relationships? Uh, Excel. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Excel. Yeah. Excel is, is great. Well, Excel and the combination of a really good BlackBerry. Yeah. And I put notes in every field I could. Yeah, uh, to this day, I still have the BlackBerry back in the really? office. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and cool. I kept the number. Yeah. Um, but that really allowed me, I mean, I still get calls. They're like, yeah, can I get two kids? I'm like, I'm, I haven't been in Ev- <laughs> Evian for eight years, but uh, I still identify with the brand. It was a great experience. And uh, adding those little things yeah. made those relationships real. Right. Um, I would, if they needed help with anything, I would find a way. Yeah. If they needed product for a special event, some type of charitable event or service thing, I would make it happen if I could, right. uh, at, but at the very least, I would be there. Right. And it didn't matter what time of day or night, you know, you, you just accommodate. And I have those relationships to this day. Some of those people, fast forward to my story, yeah. I'm now a hospitality and tourism professor. Okay. I run the department at St. Joseph's College in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and some of those individuals are on my board of advisors. Oh, that is so yeah. cool. So it's, your students must just kind of race to get to your class. Uh, I don't know if they race, yeah. but uh, but I, I think they do recognize the connections that I have Seriously. as a result of that background. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, some of my students get to have mentorship experiences with some of these people yeah. who run the top clubs or own the top clubs and bars and restaurants yeah. in the city. So very cool. Uh, it's a it's a really neat thing, but. On the side, in terms of uh, why I'm sitting with you today more than anything, is the fact that I, on the side, I really, through my tourism uh, work, I really became passionate about hospitality education, but for those people that can't necessarily afford it. Okay. You know, higher education is great. Yeah but not everybody can go to college. Right. Um, either, Would yeah. those be owner operators or those be individuals who want to get into the industry and can't afford the education? A little bit of both. Okay. I mean, hospitality and tourism industry is the biggest industry in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, sure just is. a little bit bigger than retail. Right. Uh, but it's definitely more comprehensive. Sure. I mean, this technically, this camp is part of my industry. Totally it is. Um, and you know, my students are very lucky to be able to come into a classroom and learn about why we do what we do from a hospitality and tourism mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be a, a a reason for them to be there. And there's always going to be a way for them to be there. And they're going to go on and do great things. They're going to be the GMs and owners of some of the best companies and, you know, operations out there. But somewhere along the way, I started getting connected with things going on in Ghana, West Africa. Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine, yeah. Terry, he, uh, he of said... Of course you planned all this. Yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he came to me about five, six years ago. He said, would you be interested in helping out with hospitality training in Ghana? He's from Ghana, grew up oh. in New Jersey and Botswana. 
And I said, sure, why not? Two years later, we go. We realize that we can't do anything with the silver bullet because it's a very complex issue. Uh, Ganyans are the most beautiful people, the most warm people, uh, very hospitable, but there's a really big difference between hospitality and being hospitable. Okay. So it's anticipating the needs of the guests. Yes. It's, it's making sure that you cross all the T's and dot all the I's. Yeah. There, there were gaps, right. some serious gaps. Right. Um, and this is from everybody you know that we would talk to. It was consistent, consistent. Even the best hotels would say, please do something you know, from a training or education perspective. Which is interesting because yep. they're in the industry and they're coming to you to say, please. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's amazing. You'd, you'd walk into a, a large room at the nicest hotel and there's 15 attendants walking around, Ganyens, and none of them come up to you to see if you need anything. Right. Um, and instead it's the expat who comes running sure. over. Yeah. And unfortunately, the expat gets paid more than, than the Ganyen. Mm. So there's a lot of issues to unpack. Right. And I ended up doing my doctoral research in Ghana, focusing on perceptions of tourism. And it led me to something very, very specific. And that was, how could I uh, pass on education to uh, you know, young people of Ghana, in the far depths of Ghana, where there's difficulties getting access to internet and to power, mm -hmm and give them something to work with from a tourism perspective. Right. Help them recognize the beautiful things, like where we are overlooking a lake, right. um, that could be turned into a tourism destination. Right, right, right. And then understanding how there could be revenue streams. Right. Uh, but because there's difficult access to internet, I, uh, I came up with a very low-tech approach to deal with a very complex issue. Uh, and so I, I developed modules that went on a micro SD chip okay. that would be distributed yes. and then passed on. And the idea is that they consume what's on the chip. Right. Uh, they're called Hospipods. Of course uh, they are. Of course they are. <laughs> um, so the, or, the, the company, the, the entity, the social good enterprise is called Hospitalented. Uh, my wife came up with that. Nice. Thank you, honey. Uh, <laughs> what's your name? Give her a shout out. Sonia. Okay. Sonia. Um, and the program is called HospiGo. And so the idea is to get these chips in the hands of people all over Ghana. And that's where we're starting. So the modules are very specific to Ghana. One, they educate uh, the person who's consuming it about domestic tourism. Right. So a lot of the, the youth that I interviewed during my research, <coughs> excuse me, they knew about different places, but mm -hmm. they'd never been. Mm. And collectively they knew about all most of the places that i knew about but there is a gap so i load up the chip with pictures of all these places and it talks a little bit about where they are so it gives them a little bit more to work with did you bring anybody else in to help you to you did it all yeah wow. yeah wow. no it's you know it's been a passion project yeah, yeah, for absolutely. a few years yeah and by part, by part of your phd well maybe Kind of, okay. uh, you know, I, there are some things that came out of my dissertation that informed how I did what I did. Right. Uh, but I was working on it before the dissertation and sure. I, and I continue to work on it afterwards. Yeah, I get yeah, it. That's no, how it goes. No, 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 nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, I learned some things, uh, through the, the research process, 
process with my dissertation that I didn't really think about before. And, um, you know, there, there are places around Ghana where the kids are, you know, seven kids are sharing one textbook and that mm. textbook is maybe a tad obsolete. Mm. Um, so there's some gaps in education. Right. Um, and part of it is just access. And right. so if you cut out the internet issue, cut out the power issue, I mean, no matter what your socioeconomic status is, you have access to an Android phone, right. no matter where you are in the world. Yeah. Uh, I pretty much argue that. Right. Uh, and that is the case in Ghana. And so these micro SD chips, load them up, give them the information and see if something comes of it. Right. And that's the stage that I'm in right now. And my, my model is really to um, empower companies and organizations and individuals to use this as a vehicle to do some good around the world, yeah. um, to sponsor a batch of chips that go out to yeah. Ghana or um, you know other places around. Like I keep getting these pings from people like you know that'd be really great for my country. That'd be really great of for course, my country. Yeah. Uh, and each series is basically tailored to that environment. So right. I'm going to put in domestic tourism information about their country or their region. And the when goal. Bring in others to help you. Um, it's early. Yeah. You know, it's there are some people that have already offered. Yeah. Uh, so there is a woman that I met at a founders event in uh, New York, who wants to design bags yeah. to cover the the micro SD oh, chips, nice. which is nice because yeah. they have to be portable and you want yeah. them to be passed on. Um, the uh, the first batch went out. Pop in, uh, which is a an app in in New York. Uh, they were our first sponsor, yeah. uh, and so they had an introductory video on it. And the goal is that in future, you know, other organizations will do the same thing. Yeah. And I'm just looking forward to what will be the eventuality, which is people that come out and they learn how to be entrepreneurs with these tourism mm -hmm. concepts. Mm -hmm. They develop mm -hmm. revenue streams, and that will help Ghana as a whole. That's so awesome. It's an amazing David. place. Yeah. I, in one thank you for introducing sure. Ghana to uh, to the audience but uh, also you're very socially driven mm. on your on your passion and um, I, I I was just saying to uh, another entrepreneur I was talking to about how ca Canadians really don't have an entrepreneur hero I can picture the people of Ghana having you be that uh, that seriously when you start to change the the uh, the 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 cultural you know the financial the health i mean all through prosperity comes all these wonderful mm -hmm. things and uh, and business is underlying all of that to mm -hmm. create that success so congratulations on your journey i'm really i'm i'm honored to meet you but yeah. i'm also i'm also honored you just took it upon yourself to say i'd like to talk about what's going on cuz I'm, I'm just so uh, enlightened with what you're doing. It's been very ear-opening for me, too. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problems. And thanks for your technology today, too. Yeah, you know, it's my pleasure. Great stuff. All right. Thanks, David. Likewise. Hey, back at the Fireside Conference with entrepreneur extraordinaire Drew Henson. He says to me before we started, uh, I got a couple of things I want to talk about. Where do you want to go with it? And I said, dude, we're going to start with you and your journey as an entrepreneur. I love the shirt, by the way. Thank you. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Drew, uh, I don't know you. Mm -hmm. You don't know me that well. So let's kind of have a conversation 
yeah, just exactly that. So, and I, I always like to start off my conversations with people is not with what you do. It's what's your story? What's my story? Uh, my story is kind of centered around trying to find the balance between art and technology and design and technology. And I suppose what I mean by that is when I started out, I was on a quest to design technology for Formula One, uh, Formula One racing. That's so cool. And yeah, it was, it was, you know, I went to, did my undergraduate in engineering physics. Uh, I moved to Indianapolis for a year after I graduated, worked uh, in the Indy with uh, Walker Racing yeah, yeah. and had a great time, learned a lot. Who's your favorite driver? Uh, I, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Senna overall, but right now it's undeniable that Lewis Hamilton is just murdering people. Okay, <laughs> and, yeah, um, I love it. So I'm an AJ Foyt fan from a long time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. nice, <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah, I don't know why, but I just always liked him. Yeah, he is a good one, definitely. Yeah. Um, so on that journey, you know, I ended up spending some time in motorsports and then I went uh, back to school. I realized very quickly that, well, I could, you know, make theories of how systems work from my engineering. I couldn't actually package that into a product. Right. And so I went back to school in Italy in Milan for a couple of years at uh, Scuola Politecnica di Design, where I was really learning to transition from creating theories to tangible things. And mm -hmm. along the way, there was a competition held by Formula One racing. And it was design the most innovative advancement you can for their uh, current Formula One car for Renault at the time. So I was like, well, if I don't enter, my whole life's been a sham. <laughs> so I decided to. Uh... <laughs> it was a lead up to this point, wasn't it? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So I threw my hat in the mix and uh, ended up winning for all of North America, coming fourth in the world. And thank you. And it was super cool. But. Along the way, I realized if I was going to continue that sort of creation, I was going to live in the middle of nowhere for the rest of my life. Okay. And I didn't want to do that. Mm. And I want to be able to have Chinese food. I want to be able to walk down the street. Right. And I was very fortunate that in Italy at the time, I met uh, a mentor by the name of Alberto Fraser. And he's uh, the Scottish Italian, 70-year-old Scottish Italian man who can swear in the most fantastic, beautiful ways. <laughs> I love it. He can swear in the most beautiful <laughs> way. I love that. And, uh, swearing and beauty at the same time. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> that, that contrast of those two things is kind of what helped, he helped me balance that, that design background and engineering background. And he's like, I'm going to teach you three things. One, how to draw. Because if I'm honest, you can't draw for shit. Right. <laughs> and for two, how do you think like a designer and not an engineer? Right. Engineers, the problem always needs a solution that works. Whereas yeah. designers get a little bit more blue sky thinking and how they approach stuff. Right. Um, and then three was quality of life. How right. do you want to live your life? And so right. at the time, right. I realized I don't want to chase this dream of designing Formula One technology. And I felt like I could let it go because I knew I could hang right. with those now because of just the, the faithfulness of being in that competition. Right. So after that, I moved to England for where I decided I was going to, because I'm Canadian, could get an easy visa. Yeah. And I'd, Is it easy? Yeah. If you're under 30 or 31, there's a youth mobility and to just sign up and you're pretty much good to go. Okay, cool. And you can work and uh, do everything. Yeah. Uh, so I every so if you're 32, you're out of luck. 32, you're totally out of luck. Yeah, sorry. Hopefully, hopefully, you've had some ideas by then. <laughs> <laughs> um, this part started actually pretty interesting. So for about six months, I thought I was awesome. I was going to get a nice design job. Yep. Instead, I got kicked in a humble pie in the face every day trying to find a job in London and as a junior designer, which is an insanely competitive place. Yeah, but you had a visa. Yeah, I had a visa. <laughs> so, But I did finally get a job with yep. a company called Drift Innovation. Yep. And they were designing action cameras, so competing with GoPro at the time. Oh, okay. So we're talking about 2010 now, 2011. Right. Uh, started off as a junior designer. After about three years as their director of products, created five products oh, yeah. with them that went to market. Yeah. 
Uh, one of them NASA bought and put on the International Space Station, so work with NASA on that. And it was just, it was awesome. It was just, yeah, that's so wonderful. Uh, and then Formula One ended up calling us up to get our tech put on their car for a bunch of marketing shoots. And it was a very, it was very, the world works in funny ways. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'd say, uh, I heard somebody say um, yesterday, was, was it Zach? Zarsky? Zark. Zark, yeah, he said, this is, people ask me, he says, what, how are you making out? Yeah, I'm, I'm making, it's an interesting journey. Yeah. I'm on an interesting journey. Definitely, is also, yeah. it is. So, how does this all come to an entrepreneurial so, uh, yeah. encapsulation of these companies that you've been involved with? So now, I said, "Hey, all of the tech you guys are making is mine. You know, right. ultimately, I should be a partner in this yeah, company." Yeah, I totally. Yeah. Uh, and they said, "We'd love to give you two percent." And I said, "I'd love to say goodbye then, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go back to Canada, yeah. start my own product design studio, yes. and that's where my journey as kind of a, a business owner, a startup owner, started. To, I guess began. Yes. Uh, instead of being the the product director and the creator of the ideas and the keeper of the secrets of ideas, now it's almost like I look at a company like it's a product, right. and I build a company like how I problem solve for products. Right. You know." It's all about understanding the rules of the game. Right. Once you understand- What are the rules of the game to you? What are the top three? Ah, man, it doesn't matter how good your product is. Marketing can get the job done with it or without <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> you know, but culture, yeah. culture and managing people. Right. And I, I had to learn a lesson the hard way. So to answer this question, just skip forward a bit. Sure. So we had the product design studio for about four years now, where we work on stuff between art design and technology. We had an art show last Friday, right. right, just to raise awareness for pollution, where we designed 22 face masks. Um, and using algorithmic design. That's a conversation for another day. But two years ago... I face mask for? Uh, air pollution. Okay. Yeah. And so we used air pollution data from 22 cities and created graphic designs based on that data that were in the masks and then uh, there's a whole bunch of other fancy stuff in them but did a photo shoot for them it's beautiful it's in toronto it's pretty well received so we're going to be sharing that one around a little bit more with our product design studio 22b and so our whole thing 22b yeah, so why'd you call it 22b it's my name of my favorite car ah yeah. okay well, Subaru Impreza 22b but okay our, our company is uh, t-w-e-n-t-y uh number two letter b .ca for the website. I love it. Love um, it. Yeah, love it. I was going to ask anyway, so I'm glad you went at it. So I'd say about two years ago, you know, we were we were continuing to make action cameras for these guys as our first clients. So we had some fashion. It's like I have a 4K camera. Um, and I got tired of making cameras because we were done with it. And I right. wanted to, I became conscious that hundreds of thousands of units that we were responsible for designing were ending up in landfills over the course of those five years in London, two years in Italy, a year in Indianapolis, I've been very disconnected from my family. And I started to think about ways I could use technology, specifically consumer electronics and wearable tech, to help keep modern families more connected more right, easily. Right. And what I realized was in the industry of safety or personal safety, there's a lot of solutions that just share your GPS location. So it's like, I'm going to let you know where I am. But it's only really one variable to a problem. And I don't know too many problems in the world that ever get solved by one variable. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we yeah, basically wouldn't called... it be wouldn't it be a great, easy world <laughs> if that was the case? Right? Yeah. So we basically called BS on what was going on. Right. And the other problem we identified was that all these solutions, whether it's a GPS watch for kids, something for an elderly dementia patient or something for uh, a child or uh, a woman who's supposed to be wearing a fashionable necklace, they can hit that and share their GPS location. Whether it was an app or hardware, 
they were all different brands on different platforms essentially doing the exact same thing which is why we feel there's no mass adoption in this industry there's no gopro or there's no fitbit of kind of personal safety wearable technology mm -hmm. and so we set out to change that and the platform we created is called seam s-e-a-m mm -hmm. at the heart of it is an app that lets you share where you are, but also what you see and what you hear. Right. And so with that, right. you're sharing context. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Context is king. Yeah. Context makes all the difference. Right, right, right. And so now, whatever yes. is recorded or being shared, people can make you know, informed decisions about what to do with that information. Right, right. So uh, we have an app out, Seeing Personal Safety on iOS and Android. It's okay. free to download. You add five of your closest trusted contacts. So when I travel, I... So, sorry, Drew, I'm going to stop you. Go back and, yeah. and say that slower again so the audience gets it. No, you just said the, the... The name of the app. Yeah, the name of the yeah, app again, yeah. It's Seam, S-E-A-M, Personal Safety. Cool. Yeah, because yeah, I... Yeah, yeah, love it. And uh, we're a Toronto-based startup. So right. we're on Ossington. Anybody's around there, come say hi, and we'll yeah. show you everything. And so that went out about December, January, just before CES. And so to tie all this in together of what changed and what I was learning from startup, whereas the product designer now, I could only get so far by myself. I could only win design awards and I could create beautiful products. But in order to sell those products, in order to service customer support on those products, in order to market them, sell them, have them in the appropriate places and the general infrastructure of your company, you have to learn to trust people who are ninjas at what they do uh -huh. and you have to learn to let them grow right and you have to learn to let go of thinking you can make every decision right and you have to learn kind of how the team can be brought in you know making sure everything these days is transparent gone are the days of being a ceo where you can be like that's how it is yeah you're gonna deal with that millennials don't 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 do well with that. It's, right. I'm making this decision because this is X, Y, and Z that go for it. Yeah. And yeah, there's some ethical problems and there's this, but being transparent, I found, is the best way to really motivate everybody to be part of the kind of wave of where you want to get. So is this naturally happening now that that letting go is happening? Yeah. Are you seeing that? or Because I was going to ask, well, why is that like that? But I'm sensing that that through millennial-driven focus more and desires. In fact, yeah. I got lots of choices here, guys. I can work with you or not work with you, yeah. right? And so, uh, so I'm happy to hear that you're you're experiencing that more and more people are willing to quote unquote delegate right. responsibility and yeah. let people fail and let people uh, enjoy being a part of their own journey within yeah. your organization. So, yeah, very cool. So that apps been out. Um, initially, we targeted Uber drivers. Oh yeah. They have a way now to be able to tell their story for free keep themselves safe yeah and uh we have our first wearable device so the whole point is now we have different wearables that target different demographics right so we have our lotus which is in production right now in china and about to be available for full sale off our website uh seamtechnic.com s-e-a-m-t-e-c-h-n-i-c.com nice and the point of the device is when your phone's in your pocket or yeah. when your phone's tucked away and not accessible getting your phone out unlocking it and getting it to do what you need to under a more duress situation isn't going to happen. Right. It's the worst user interface for such a type of device. Right. So with this, you wear it, you tap a button, you can start recording what's happening to you through your phone. Yeah. So it starts continuously recording GPS, but it also starts recording audio through the device. Wow. So you get a little bit more of the story. Tap it again. Five of your trusted contacts can now see where you are live. They can hear live what's happening to you. You ever feel like you're more in trouble you just grab it and hold on yeah the app figures out who's closest to you calls them you have a hands-free speakerphone conversation through the device and you also have full access to google assistant and siri on the fly at the touch of a button so dude i'm gonna tell you i uh i 
asked this question a lot. And I say to particularly young entrepreneurs, I said, who in Canada do you admire as an entrepreneur? Like you go down into, into Britain, it's Richard Branson, that type of thing. They're going to be talking about you. Seriously, I, I love the way you think. I love the way you're taking technology, commercializing, understanding about the, the human connection. And you got great confidence also. And, you're, and they're going to be talking about Drew Henson yeah. and the schools about a Canadian entrepreneur. We're lucky to have you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you very much for having us. So are you on LinkedIn? Yeah, we are. So uh, how do you spell your last name? Uh, Henson, H-E-N-S-O-N. Perfect. So uh, you'll get some, pe- some people who are going to hang out with you for sure. Thanks, Drew, very much, man. Cheers. Get Jeff Hazlett with us today. Um, I saw him speak yesterday. He was the opening of the 2018 Fireside Conference uh, in uh, in Walden, and we've just had an amazing conversation. And Jeff, uh, he's with C-Suite, and we're going to get how you can get a hold of him and so on, because you're going to want to get a hold of him after this conversation. He has a great ability to really tell a great story, but wrap great value around it. So Jeff, I'm not even going to ask you a question except to say, you got some time now to kind of share your wisdom thoughts to this yeah. entrepreneur audience from coast to coast to coast. Some of them are in France, whatever, yeah. but just maybe take us back through your talk yesterday or something else that you think, I want to talk about this today. I think the biggest thing that most people have to understand, you know, look, I used to, I bought and sold over 250 companies in my career, you know, 25 billion in transaction, managed marketing budgets, 17 billion. Well, one of the key things I think I said yesterday in my opening talk to so many of these great entrepreneurs, and by the way, I can't get over the, the kind of quality of people Amazing. here at this yeah. Fireside yeah, Conference. It's, great stuff. it's a one, by the way, one of the first conferences. I do 150, 160 speeches a year. Yeah. I never stay. Yeah. I never stay. And I'm staying for this one because I really, really like the people. It's yeah. just an amazing crowd. What but cabin do they have you in? They got me the comic head staff. I, I got my own room, <laughs> oh, which is awesome. Wow. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not bunking with you guys. I'm so once you once you sell 250 companies or yeah they, they, and then they give you they move you up stuff. they move you upstream yeah you got your own you get your own bathroom <laughs> oh, that's, it. Dude. that's it that's yeah, it yeah but but the smell so bad that comes with a diffuser or something so it's, like, it's, it's pretty rough pretty rough that's but cool. my advice my advice is for those listening in you know you think uh you, you think it's 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 a lot different when you're at a big company and it's really no different small company big company i said this yesterday whether you're on main street in sioux falls south dakota or you're on wall street there's no difference in the company right. it's just the numbers of zeros right right and you got the same problems same issues same apprehensions if if you think that when you get to that level or stage that you're going to be different mm. you're going to feel different right you don't right. You, you still feel nervous you still it's still tough to let people go it's yeah. still tough to make those decisions and you but it's good for you to learn the fundamentals and and it's the same and i think that's the key thing that a lot of folks don't realize you think that it's got to be this way or that way. It's just got to be. Right. And right. that's what you got to get comfortable. You got to get real comfortable in your skin about how you do things and the way you do it. And the more comfortable you get, then that makes you sure. So, you know, sure, I could do it differently. You know, I could do it. I could do it the way this guy does it or the way this woman does it. 
But you know what? I'd rather do it the way I do it. Yeah. And that, and that that's what you really have to understand. Well, obviously, you've uh, you've figured out a formula that you enjoy participating in and following, and and so that's what you do, and you continue to do yeah. it with success. Well, you know, but you but let me be clear. Yeah, I fail a lot too. I mean, you know, if you don't think you're going to fail in this business, you better wake up and smell it, buddy, because that's what's going to happen. You are going to fail. I said that yesterday. The key is to fail fast right. and to win fast. Right. You right. really want to win fast, and I want people to change their mentality around that. But. But you, you talked about a formula. What I have is great conditions of satisfaction. Mm. I don't I don't always follow the formula because so I don't know what the formula is. I don't know what the formula is. I don't know. Great uh, levels of satisfaction. Conditions of satisfaction. Conditions of satisfaction. So for me, you got to decide in, as especially as an entrepreneur, what am I willing to put up with? What do I want to have as the outcome right. of this? What? So for me, I have three personal conditions of satisfaction. One is I, I want to make money. I want to build wealth. Right. Why? Because that's how we keep score. Sure. All right. Sure. Now, I do it for nothing, yes. quite frankly, because I love doing what I do. But that's how we keep score. Second, I want to I want to do interesting things. I want to learn. Right. And third, I want to have fun. And right. If I can't have those three things, I don't want to do it. I, I mean, because you know, there are a lot of times that people come to me and they will say, Jeff, I want to pay you to do this, or I want. Look, dude, I don't want to do that. Right. I don't like you. Right, you know, right. yeah. you know, or you know, and and you got to have that 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 confidence of what it is. So so if you haven't asked yourself, you know, if you got to go, if you're going in with a partner, what's going to happen when it goes bad? Because right. it's probably going to go bad. Right. All right. Something so, will. Yeah, something. So you need to think those things through. Or how willing, how long am I willing to go without salary? Uh -huh. How long am I willing to stretch the credit cards? How uh -huh. long am I willing to? To go out and keep asking family and friends for money, you know, those are what I call conditions of satisfaction. Right. And you, if you have good sense of that, mm -hmm. then it makes the other stuff a lot. Simpler. Did you have that right from the beginning of your journey? You, no, you learn, you learn, yeah. you 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 think you do, yeah. and then it, it just becomes new levels and new levels and new levels of new levels, right. and so you, right. you you continue to learn over a period of time. But once you get the core down, you you the more you understand you and the core of what you want to do. Right the better you you're more comfortable in your own skin and getting stuff done so i think that's real so key. you talked about what's the you you've been on a lot of journeys tell us about the one that was the most fun for you up to this point or it's, it's the one i'm doing right now yeah. it always is it yeah. always is because Brilliant. you know so it's like I've, I've my father was in the united states air force so we lived in different cities all around the world uh -huh. and always in a different place and and to me and someone said what's your favorite city i said the one i'm in now yeah because you always you always learn you always take from those journeys those places those people and even people right they, they, i think that's what you got to do so i don't dwell on the things i did in the past much yeah. i don't dwell on yeah. that you know oh yeah well yeah i, I used to sponsor nascar yeah. the olympics the the oscars i used to do all those things you know, i used to do those were cool yeah. but you know what coming to fireside's cool it is cool. you know what i mean yeah. meeting some of the greatest entrepreneurs and yeah. listening to the people with ideas of things like holy shit why didn't i think of that yeah. or yeah. or Oh my God, that's pretty exciting. You know, that what a wonderful thought. I never would have thought of those kind of things. So those, to me, are the exciting things that you learn. And you, and you just, you know, so I don't dwell too much. I Once I did it or do it, you know, um, you know, I, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. It's now, now next, next, because that's the next thing. It's the next thing. It's always the learning process for me. I thought you said something really profound yesterday on your Jacques Cousteau uh, story oh. at the end. Um, and if you want to talk about that one again, that's great because our audience would not have heard it. But yeah. you've obviously met some pretty amazing, magical oh. people. Some of them famous, some of them not famous. Yeah. So is there, if that's the story you want to tell, I love it. I wrote down the notes that good people, when you're with good people. Yeah, yeah and you're always uh, in, you know, in good company. Yeah. You know, so is there, is you there, never is be scared when you're in good company. Never be and scared. That, 
And that's the key thing is that you always surround yourself with really good people. I don't want to take away from the story. They can go online and see it. But yeah. it's a great story I tell. It's a signature story about meeting Jacques Cousteau. Went out to dinner. It's a great told story. Told about a, you know, I'm, I'm shortening it for the podcast. But, um, you, but, you know, he went through a terrible, terrible uh, experience. He almost died. And I said, weren't you scared? And he goes, you never be scared when you're in good company. Right. And it was because his swimming boat, he was with him. Yeah. And that's what, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's what you want. Right. I, I surround myself with one of the best teams that I can possibly find. Now, some are better than others. You know, we grow and we learn and yeah. we find out, you know, a third of our people get it right away. A third eventually get it and a third never do. Right. We spend a lot of time on that bottom third, man. Yeah. And I don't spend a lot of time on that bottom third. Like, if you can't get to this level, you yeah. can't be this tall, you can't go on the ride. And and I'm pretty clear about those conditions of satisfaction. And, you know, cool. and if you're not doing those things, you know, I'm putting the shroud of death on you is what yeah. I call it. And, I, yeah. you know, I say, dude, you got to leave. Yeah. I mean, this isn't good. But, uh, you know, I try to really try to be in good company because I'm going to spend more time with the people I'm working with than my own family, by and large. And now, although my children both work in the business, which is awesome, but, you know, you have to learn to, to really, you know, surround yourself with really good people. Yeah, that's awesome. And definitely a fire start. There's a ton of those. Oh, yeah. Jeff... uh Take us home with a conversation around C suite, and if you could kind of talk a little bit about the Heroes Club too. Oh, absolutely, that was, uh, that that's was a core. We got about two minutes left. So yeah, just... so we've got uh, the Hero Club is a group of uh, value-based CEOs that were looking to change the world. You know, everywhere I go, when I was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, starting my own business, I used to go into Village Inn Pancake House. And when I go into Village Inn Pancake House, because that was a place to go have breakfast in the morning, right. there'd be this table of these stalwarts of the community. They, these were the men and women who were the CEOs of the big businesses that paid for the Little League, the Symphony, yeah. you know, did all the things. They, you know, made sure that we were there for the, the bike-a-thon or whatever. And I always said, man, I want to sit at that table. Yeah. I want to sit at the table because these are the people who are the heroes of my community. Nice. And so that's what we're creating. We're yeah. getting back to recognizing those people with great values who do the right things for the right reasons, take care of their community, take care of their customers, take care of their vendors. Love it. And that's what the Hero Club's all about and it started with our founder who you know sold his company for 20 billion and made this and gave away a portion of his company to his employees making the single number of uh, biggest number of millionaires ever created in one day yeah and so we're recreating that and we're asking ceos to sign a value statement that said they'll live by a certain set of values which by and large almost every ceo i've, I've ever met wants to sign that sure, pledge because sure. that's what the kind of people they really are yeah. and it's time for us to get back to that free enterprise system of Business is good. Yeah. Business drives great right, things. Right. Business makes life happier. Yeah. And that's what we're all about. And and less about the chasing of the dollar or the yen or whatever it might be, but more yeah. about the chasing of life and the chasing of great values. And that's really what the Hero Club's about. And so the C-Suite Network is the parent group of that. We've got C-Suite TV, C-Suite Radio. Yeah. And it's all about educating great, great C-Suite leaders and getting them ready for the next level of their lives. And hopefully the Startup Canada podcast is going to be on. We there. would love to have yeah. you guys. I mean, you guys are just cranking it and you got some great people. I just said and listened to one of your interviews a few minutes ago and just like fantastic to hear. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks for Canada for letting this big, loud American uh, show up and come into the country. I hope you let me out, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we always say it's a we're all always friends with Americans. Your government government mine's mine. You know, and and unfortunately for a lot of Americans, we think of Canada as like our big hat. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I guess, uh... <laughs>
<laughs> Beautiful. A toque. Our toque. It's a toque. Yeah, it's, a toque. Right. it's a toque. So um, how do people get a hold of you? Hey, just go look at Hazlet. H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T. There's this thing called Google. If you look in there, you can find me. Or anything with C-Suite, you'll find the C-Suite Network, C-Suite TV, C-Suite Radio, C-Suite Book Club. I can go on. And certainly HeroCEOClub.com. Yeah, and there's a .CEO coming .CEO soon. .CEO coming soon. We're going to make some big announcements. You'll see that. So look for .home.CEO and see how you can be a CEO for life. Being a rock star, man. Thank uh, you. We're doing our best, brother. Thanks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back at Fireside Conference 2018. It's Rivers Corbett, and I'm with a really cool individual today. Uh, it's Jess Joss. She is the executive director of York Angels and a lover of coffee, and i got to throw that in there. <laughs> Fair enough. She's a uh, great mom, great wife, and she lives a really, really cool life. And I met Jess last year at the conference, and we just hit up this amazing uh, professional and personal friendship. Yep, it's absolutely. very, very cool. So, Jess, this conference is all about entrepreneurship, absolutely. and you lead the second largest angel network in the country. Correct. Absolutely. And so... I'm going to ask you, what do you think the the audience should know about you or York Angels and or what you know, you're in the funding world. So let's kind of focus in on sure, that. Sure, absolutely. So what's what's kind of are there some things that these guys and gals need to know uh, in order to get the type of funding from York Angels that sure, they might absolutely. want to get. What are your clients looking for? So we represent over 120 accredited investors and making us second largest in Canada. All of our investors invest individually. So it's just a matter of having a company that fits with one or two of our investors. Right, and that right. would uh, certainly count as one of our deals. We're generally looking for post-concept, post-revenue to some degree. Right. Um, and what generally is our level of funding is looking for money that is going to help the company scale to go to the next level. So it's, you know, building out the sales team, the marketing. You've already got your tech. It's sort of how are you going to explode? You need the money to sort of get to the next level. And in terms of what people need to think of, I think one of the things is there's a lot of different ways to get money for companies at different diff stages. I mean, you can certainly get some government funding, and that's often great because yeah. it's, uh, it's sort of, to some degree free money a lot of paperwork but some degree free money that de-risks it for an angel so that's nice for us to see that you've done that perhaps right. but um, one of the things you need to take a look at is what's sort of the best way forward and there's a value prop with getting angel money is because you're getting smart money so you're right. generally getting the mentorship the connections etc that go with the money does that so happen most times with your uh, network that's the value that we bring right. and if you look at our angels by and large they are so actively engaged we've got a bunch here today and if you look in our community the number of times we're out pitch judging and coaching and speaking at universities and speaking at different boot camps and stuff like that so as a group i think that's really meant one of our fundamental core values right. is the education and the helping and the mentoring um, and we're Work really closely with our whole ecosystem to be a part of that. Right. Um, so there's the smart money as I think of value that's important for entrepreneurs to understand because it's coming with um, the the opportunity of expertise etc and so on. Right. Now within our organization right. you don't choose which investors you get per mm -hmm. se but what we often find is the lead investor will be somebody who has core competency you know it's the same wheelhouse they'll have been exited because most of our entrepreneur angels are exited entrepreneurs right. so right. they've got they've had that experience mm. they've got some really it's the, here's what, you know, here's what will save you from a lawsuit or here's what I wish I'd known and, you know, wouldn't have lost two years going down this rabbit right. hole. And that is just invaluable information. And it's kind of like as a teenager, your parents give you that information, but you can't hear it because it's your parents. So it's like, la, 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 la. Yeah. But it's like, well, here's people that have been through it yeah. that are giving you that information and, you know, saving saving you time and energy. Also challenging you. Like, I'm not going to lie. It'll be challenging in terms of the questions they ask and so on. But that 
ups your game and makes yeah. you the best you and your company the best version that you are so you know we bring to the table smart money we work with other angel groups we work with early stage vcs we have a number of funds that are a part of us oh, cool. so we try to do like the whole continuum um in terms of helping with the funding and you know if somebody comes to us and they're too early we, it's not no it's like here's the regional innovation center you should hit up first here's right. you know and sort of moving them along the, the system and stuff like that and then providing support and Generally, they'll come back to us for, you know, round two, round three, nice. you know, and then, you know, so IPOs, public. Those are all good things too, right? The name of your organization is York Angel. So York my, Angel my, Investors, North, yeah. North, York Angel Investors. Yep. So in my head, are you all your, are your investors from the York region? No, I think way long ago, we've been around a decade, and I think when the uh, ecosystem wasn't fully developed at the time, and I think the notion was that maybe if we put York in, we'd get some municipal funding. Right. That's not the way it works, but we're open to it. Uh, <laughs> so we're a not-for-profit, which most people don't realize. So okay. we're a not-for-profit. We get a little bit of provincial funding, a little bit of federal funding, right. and we are a high-end dating service. So I bring right. curated deal flow with accredited investors, and it's just high-end dating Very is what cool. we bring together. Yeah. So... Um but within five, sorry, we most of our deals are within Ontario. Right. Um, we sort of our notion is 500 kilometers driving distance because you know somebody's got your money, you're sitting there, they don't answer for three weeks. You kind of want to just like be able to drive, go and say, how can I help? Yeah, What's going cool. on and stuff like that. Yeah. That having been said, we invest outside of Ontario if we're co-investing with another angel group or angels that we know that are on the ground, right? right. You just need sort of boots on the ground that are going to be there. Well, as they say, a long distance relationships are tough, right? So <laughs> I've tried sense. those before. Yeah, yeah so. they're not, they don't work well. Yeah, they exactly. don't work well. So what started you on the journey? The just mm. story of getting to that point yeah. where you're the lead of the second largest angel investment group mm. in Canada. Um, well, you know, all good investors. I started in history because history majors, you know, it prepares you to do nothing and everything all at once. Yeah, right. And you figured out, like, I'm not going to teach, so I have to move on. Is there a specific area of history that you did? Um, a lot of early Canadian. Okay. A again, you know, things that are really going to prepare you for life. So, you know, I know how to hew wood, but, you know, not necessarily yeah. uh, beyond that. So I started my first business right out of university. I started a uh, web design and online marketing company within weeks of graduating because nice. the internet was still new and yeah. people were like, oh, you're young. You must know what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you go do that yeah, for me. Like you got an MBA, you yeah. know what you're doing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's like I had credibility because I didn't have wrinkles. Right. So, you know, yeah, and I, so I still have that firm. We've been around over 20 years, nice. um, but I'm not operational in it anymore. Right. And then I started investing nine and a half years ago, 10 years ago. And I'd grown up in an entrepreneurial family and we'd been invested in by other people, invested in people, but never knew it was angel investing. It was more right. like somebody starting business, they need a bit of money, they pay you back, they do a loan, da, 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 da. Right. Like it was more just sort of transactional relationship stuff there was nothing formalized and then i joined york angels and i knew a couple of people that was were already active in it so as an active angel i'm right. in 55 companies i've had multiple exits um but that's not the side that people mostly see because i wear my executive director hat and don't talk about my personal portfolio yeah. um but yeah so i became executive director four years ago and we were this teeny little 32 person group and then it like dropped to 24 and i was like oh god what have i gotten myself into <laughs> But now we're Maybe 100. they said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might have, yeah. You've got exactly. <laughs> nice girl, funny to be around with. But, but oh, oh yeah. where's the strategy the behind this yeah. one, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, but now, you know, second largest group in Canada, top yeah. ranked in Canada in terms of deal flow. We've been top five for deal flow in the last couple of years, number one this year. Cool. So we've had um, a lot of good traction. I work with amazing people and it is, you know, an amazing team, not only just like our teeny, teeny, tiny, very small, not-for-profit little core group, but also our angels are amazing. The dedication cool. of our volunteers, our board, and the people that we work with in the ecosystem, it is 
a fun, interesting ecosystem of giving bright, interesting people. You never are bored. You're always, uh, you know, having a good conversation with something, and you're always learning because yeah. you're dealing with different entrepreneurs and different yeah. walks of life. So well, let's we, talk you know, about learning. Actually, for yeah. just a quick second, we got about two minutes left. Okay. Off of this Direct me where you want to go. What's uh, what's your son's name? My son's name is Bentley. You Bentley should, Josh Brown. You want to see the smile on this boy's face right now? She loves <laughs> her boy. Yeah, and, he's a pretty good guy. Uh, he's a cool dresser. I see him on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty right. dapper. Yeah. yeah. So if Bentley was here right now, mm -hmm. and you could, in all your experiences, uh, you could advise him on one thing that he should constantly remember as an entrepreneur on his journey. And how old is he? Just went to grade four. He's turning seven. Okay. It's in a couple of weeks, and we've already had these conversations. Cool. So, so it we'll is. It's a business that somebody pays you for it. It's a hobby if nobody will pay you for it. You can like it, but if you can't commercialize it, it's just a hobby. And, you know, therefore, you know, businesses actually have to have, serve a function and be transactional. So we've talked a little bit about that. And we've moved on to protecting his IP for all the inventions because he's a little inventor. So I'm like, okay, I well, we better get it. these in. Yeah, so we have to get that in. But in general... He's a um, model, too. He's a good dresser. Well, that's because I'm in control right now. Yeah, I'm on some point. I'm losing control, so I'm maxing it out for the for the time being. But no, I think it's really important for entrepreneurs to realize that you have to. There have to be filling a need, yeah. but also you can't fake passion. You have yeah. to do something where you feel like you're making a difference, and you feel like there is. Because some people sit there and they're like, "I want to be an entrepreneur. Let's go out and find a problem." But if you don't have something that you feel passionate about, right. when you're in a business, and I've I've had business partners. I've been in business a long time. You're spending more time with those people than you are with your family. And this is, it becomes a large part of your life. And mm. it's also who you are. So it has to be something that aligns with your values, something that you feel like you're making a difference with, something where you're providing. Um, there's an exchange where you know, ideally, that you're making the world a better place. You, you're filling a hole that's needed there and making something better because then you can feel good about what you're doing and also people can see. I mean, the, the long, consistent businesses are the ones that actually provide good value, make a difference that people want to yeah. work with. You know, doing short-term relationships, you know, charging, overcharging somebody quickly. Like, mm. you know, I've been in business 20 years. You don't have long-term relationships with, like, 20-year clients right. if you screw them early on, right? Oh, like, yeah. it's all about being fair and saying, no, actually, you don't need that or this isn't the time that you need right. to go ahead with this. So it's like, I think, being honest and fair and building relationships and doing something you feel passionate about and you believe in and cool. then from there awesome you know you have fun fun yeah. is always good jess how do people get a hold of you sure um certainly you can look for me on the york angels website or go to linkedin it's jess last name joss j-o-s-s and my email is j-o-s-s at yorkangels.com so this has been one year of a great friendship. friendship. The beginning of many years. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to see Where you. We're going to be in 10 years, right? right on, yeah. my friend. Thank, Thank you very so much for your time. Yeah, great to see you again. Nice Thank to see you too. Thank you. It's Rivers. We're back again at Fireside 2018. What an amazing view. We're in what they call the clearing. It's never been used at a Fireside conference. The first time ever. We've been having some amazing conversations with entrepreneurs that uh, that are really doing some epic stuff uh, around the planet. And we're here with Justin. Justin's got needles.com. And uh, so, dude, we're all, this show is all about you right now, okay? <laughs> Great. And, uh, as it always should be, right? It's always well, should be about you. Not according to my wife, yeah, definitely. Okay. But yeah. uh, generally, I like to think so. This is my show. It's not her show. Okay, okay fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. So, yeah, tell us, first of all, needles.com. And that's the, I mean, first, how did you, How'd you get that, that, that website address? 
Well, it's actually N E E D L S dot com. Okay. Uh, but it comes, uh, there's a reason why. At the beginning, we were looking for a name and we're all about branding. We really want to stand out. You can see that when you hand me, when I hand you my business card and a whole yeah. bunch of stuff. Yeah. But uh, what we're doing at Needles Wall, bring this back, is we're looking for intent within social media posts. Okay. So when someone says, my tooth hurts on Facebook, we know they need a dentist and we show them an ad in real time from a dentist that can serve them. So we're looking for intents and needs. So the word needs in needles comes from that. That's and the, the double entendre, which I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Is, um, yeah exactly. <laughs> we're looking for, you know, the needles in the social haystack, those pieces of data that help us find the, the users for people and actually get the data that we're looking for. So what went into you to say, that's what I want to do? Well, uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've had three prior exits. Uh, I actually met my two co-founders at a summer camp just like this when we were six years old. So this brings back great memories for us when we're here together. Cool. But, um, are they here? They are here. They're running around somewhere. I asked okay. them to come and do it with me. They never do it with yeah, me. They said, yeah. nope, that's your job. Go ahead and do it nice. yourself. Nice. I said, thanks. I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, it, was, it came from, you know, we were actually sitting, I was sitting in a meeting at the end of the year and we're looking how to grow our businesses at that time. And I got a call from my wife at that time. He said, you see your friend X needs an iPhone app built. I think that's what you guys do. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't sit on Facebook all day. And she's like, well, that's not true. That's all you ever do. Uh, I said, <laughs> which is obviously not true, but no. uh, that's what she thinks. Yeah, what's your name? Her name's Vivian. And Vivian. I love her very much. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and my two kids, Shana and Ellie. I love yeah. them. But uh, she called me, and I'm like, no, we don't sit on Facebook. We don't look at this all the time. Uh, she said, I'll tag you in it. And I called that person in that meeting, turned into a $60,000 contract for our development company, and the light bulb went off. People ask for things, want things, have needs on Facebook, or Instagram, yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Why are people not serving them? The way that they do advertising now Incredible. is antiquated, in my yeah. opinion. Like, I'll ask you a question. If your toilet was broken right now, how would a plumber know you need them? Have you ever liked a Facebook post about a plumber or written an article about it? Have you been creeping me, man? <laughs> <laughs> <10 minutes ago. laughs> exactly. But that's how they look at interest. Do you like things? Yeah. Do, you, do you comment on them? Yeah. So we like to find the information that helps us to divulge better individuals in an advertising way. Yeah. And we do it for small businesses. So that's where it di very much differs. We're a $100 a month SaaS service, yes. which is incredible to give them end-to-end -end solution, fully done by artificial intelligence. So Okay, I'm going to stop you here for a second. How yeah. do the people get a hold of you? and just speak that out because yeah. that's an amazing price for the amazing value that you're giving so needles.com that's right needles.com dls.com okay perfect perfect so um the idea when they come for small business they answer six questions in real time uh sorry answer six questions uh and we know who they are who they want to sell to and what it is they want to sell we create 50 to 500 ads in real time put them on network then we use our intent to purchase the way I just told you, looking for those people to find the right people and show the ads. So we actually show a 3x uh, click-through rate that Facebook sees across all their campaigns. They're at 0.9, we're at 0.27 because we find the right people and we show the right ads. And we're the largest digital agency in the world based on customer count, nice. not on revenue, unfortunately, just yet. But on customer count, we do that with 20 people because it's fully automated from A to Z. So uh, I understand that uh, one of your investors, there's uh, good folks from New York Angels Network, investors, um, is customer count important to them? Uh, I'm, I'm sure revenue and growth and exits most important to them. So Vandy, but you gotta have the customers, right? Well, that's right. But like, you know, I can say I have 30,000 customers cause we do, but I only want to talk to the ones who are paying. Those are the most important right, right, ones. Right, so yeah. we don't look at that as a vanity metric. Right. We look at how we're growing and what's yeah. going on from there. That's but yes, cool. York Angel's awesome. Yeah. Actually funny. 
they uh, once upon a time when I met them early, early on in our journey in this, they weren't interested then. Yeah. Last year here at Firesight, uh, we actually uh, crossed paths, uh, had a little just with a little altercation. She had me back in, she made it work, and we have some great investors from the group on our team. We couldn't be happier to work with them. You know, they're great. Well, you know, some people who worked on our deal, like Frank and Angelo, are the top angels in Ontario right now, coming out of the York Angel Group, known, recognized. So we love having them as part of our, of our team. That's cool. And part of our family at Needles. So, so Needles, uh, uh, you said small businesses or particular segment, pharmaceuticals, no. agriculture, whatever. You're broad based. Industry agnostic. We have over 270 different industries on our platform. Um, we don't care who you are. We'll train data sets to ensure we find your right customer. I'll tell you one that doesn't work very well. We can okay. never do well for underwater welding. So if yeah. you're an underwater welder. Do not use needles. Yeah, don't call. Yeah, don't, don't call. Don't waste don't, your time. Exactly. <laughs> well, you can waste your money. I'm sure other people will appreciate that. But I'm saying right now, I can't really do a good job for you. Do you uh, do you work a lot within the uh, Startup Canada startup community model? Absolutely. So I, I, I'm, I love Startup Canada. We're oh. part of it in many different ways. Always cool. have. Uh, we do startup chats all the time, Twitter yeah, chats. So part of my mantra, because... Yeah. Um, you know, as entrepreneurs, as CEOs, we take a lot from people around us. Yeah. It's to be useful and give a lot back. Yeah, so I like to be brilliant. involved in it and be pieces and be part of it and just generally uh, be useful. Right on. So, what, uh, Justin, what, there's a lot of young people who listen to our podcast. Mm -hmm. Going back to your journey when you became mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, made that kind of put that stake in the ground. What you mean was, I was unemployable? Yeah, that's that okay. the key. Yeah. So is that actually a common theme that you're seeing for entrepreneurs that you've run across? They just, I can't live in its structure unless it's mine? Well, I think that's a, what a lot, drives a lot of entrepreneurs. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who uh, have a hard time taking that next step. And I think that's what, kind of what you were going to ask me originally. Right. You have to, you know, a wise man once said... Will Smith, okay. Oh, yeah. The best, the, the best things, yeah, exactly. The best things in life come on the opposite side of fear. Take that step, right? Yeah. You got to think about that. It might be hard, it might be scary, but you're not going to know if you don't take that leap. And I think yeah. that's a huge thing because you're going to get a lot of no's. Look, I got a no from York Angels originally. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're you have perseverance, you're convicted in what you do, you're passionate about it, uh, and you want to give back and be useful and grow something and, and build that, you'll find the right people who should be your partners and they'll come on board and do that with you. Very cool. So uh, talking about York Angels, I asked uh, Jess this question when, she, when we were talking about her son, Bentley. Uh, yep. You have two children. Yeah. What are their names? Uh, that is Shana and Allie. And I heard how cute they said they are. My kids are, I think, equally as cute. My wife is crazy about putting them fashion on Instagram stars. Yeah. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, just so the audience know, Jess is still hanging around here. Yeah. Yeah, listen to Justin now. So. I think she's grading me to take back to the yeah, group. I know so. she is. <laughs> Taking pictures, recording, all yep. that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm going to... Uh, the question was that you are going to ask me, what would I teach the children? No, Justin, this is not your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is what happens. Some of these guests start to take all over. Oh, and they man. say, man, you're going to ask me this. Because no, now in my head, I'm trying to think of something uh, something different. So here's what I want to ask you. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you tell your children mm -hmm. is the best way to get money or, or approach funders for their business? <laughs> Well, hopefully, uh, Daddy at that time can help them a little bit. Yeah, you know, you're not, in, not, the, you're not, you're not in, in the picture. You're not in the picture. Uh, no, I think the best way is again go build honest, real relationships. Yeah. Find the right people who make sense, who understand your business, who yeah. care about you genuinely and the outcome of your business, all as well as you know the exit at the end, obviously. Yeah. But um, 
and just hustle as hard as you can because right. it's not easy. And if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. So don't get discouraged. Keep moving. So you're you're living on um, on the side of social media engagement. I I had a situation the other day where I went to a city to the city of St. John, New Brunswick, mm -hmm. and I purposely decided those meetings were going to be face to face. Yep. And the amazing conversations, great opportunities. Yes, some sales that came out of it. And it kind of triggered in my head, I got to be doing this more. You find that too many people, and this may be not, maybe yeah, still good for your business ultimately. How much time do you spend on that face-to-face -face networking, even though you've got a company like Needles? Oh, is that for my job, it's so important. I spend a lot of time and energy doing that. There was a meeting with a gentleman who was here, and we had a phone call for Thursday afternoon. I said, well, I'm going to go see you. I'm going to see you in two days, but guess what? I'm coming down to your office. I want to talk to you. we got to talk face-to-face. -face. Let's meet before we do business and move forward together. Uh, I like to see who I'm dealing with, build that relationship, see if we mesh, see if things are going to move forward together. Yeah. And, um, you know, part of, like, I don't want to sit behind a computer that's just not what I, want. I want to be out there i want to be uh networking meeting great people making yeah. those connections and growing yeah Very cool mm -hmm. so um i saw you be this you that i saw behind the bar at some point in time this there? morning yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> what were you doing behind the bar oh you know you always got to work you know my team's working hard they're doing some great stuff uh, i want to be there to help them out so yeah. always doesn't matter they're up at seven i'm out at seven it's we're good so just having fun you know we're here again just to give back and be good and i think they did a great job and i wanted to help them do that it's very cool so we know about needles.com mm -hmm. uh, i always like uh, you know people to have access to rock stars like you so how can somebody find you uh, you can find me easily by just emailing jh at needles.com. And uh, if you go to the site and you're talking and you want to go on there, I would love to give a coupon code to everyone, 25% off for a year to say, you know, Startup Canada or listen to Justin Podcast or ask them. We're happy to give it to you. So please use that. Share with your friends. We want to see the ecosystem grow. We want to see more money coming into it. We can only do that together. I know why they invested in you, man. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks I appreciate stuff. it. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Cheers. Brent, yeah. welcome to uh, the Startup Canada podcast, this beautiful setting, fireside, with, and Brent's with Kobayashi Zeitgeist. Yep, you got it. I wanted to get that really fast in there, ladies and gentlemen, and dive in. Kobayashi Zeitgeist. Brent, tell me, what's the story about that? Well, we're, so, uh, we're a 23-year-old digital creative agency. Wow, you're yeah. a pioneer in this space. <laughs> Love yes, it. I know, I know. And uh, we've been through some wars of our own making. Yes. Uh, Kobayashi was one company, Zeitgeist was another. Okay. And two years ago, we brought them together. Okay. Uh, and so we've been kind of like a two-year-old company now. Oh, right a little on. bit of a baby company. Right. So we went from like five and five to like nine. Right. Right. We dropped one right. in that merge. So when you did that merge, what was the conversation that you had around the name? Because like, that's a mouthful. I know, I know. So, we're and a which one were agency. you? Were you Zeitgeist or I was Kobayashi? Kobayashi? Okay. My last name's Kobayashi. Okay, perfect. Really, this was a weird marriage. Okay, so yeah. what was happening was things were changing on the Zeitgeist end, and I had just taken my business from about ten people down to five because that's all I could manage. Right. Right. Like right. that's mentally, emotionally, that's all I could figure out. Right. That that, that leveled out there. 30, 35K a month, right? Right. And so this opportunity came along, some friends I'd known for some time. We valued each other, we valued each other's values. And Zeitgeist was essentially going to cease to exist 
quite possibly. Okay. Right? Because one of the two co-founders is leaving. Right. So we brought them together and we, we figured this thing out. One of the founders, as like guys came along, and from that point onwards, we didn't do a lot of internal thought, strategy, anything else like that. So we existed as Kobayashi Online and Zeitgeist kind of separately billing through my company, Kobayashi Online. Right. And I don't know how to say this other than there was not much thought. Weird for a branding creative type agency. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, after about a year, we said this doesn't work anymore, but we're not ready to say who we are to the world yet. Yeah. So we just took the two names, stuck them together, did them in a pretty logo and continued yeah, right as yeah. we sorted through who we are are we small business are we large business are we this are we that and yeah. so we're here kind of today a weird 23 year old company who's kind of knows who they are yeah who has a leader who kind of knows who he is yeah, and yeah, yeah. still kind of sorting it out yet on the other side of almost gone like we're we're now this past year we, we actually are profitable yeah and we weren't for a while yeah that's no fun it's always fun to get back at that level. So, so Zeitgeist, are they still involved with your Yeah, company? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The whole team's there. And so you're leading the organization. Yep. And what role would the prime have done? Uh, what role does the prime of Zeitgeist uh, have in your organization? So he's my creative director. Okay, he's your creative director. Yeah. How much time did you spend on, on really, um, I'm going to say, uh, thinking about uh, how you're going to get along with these guys who are okay. business people too and they're on their own and now they're coming in yeah. and you're going to now yeah. be in charge. So that actually was one of the reasons why we had trouble because my entire focus emotionally mm. was making sure they were okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of that's who I am and who I've been growing sure. and yeah. understanding yeah, I can see that. was I was mm -hmm. much less of a, a leader of the organization to make sure we're profitable and we're successful and this is the vision and all that kind of stuff. It was making sure the emotional landscape Brilliant. in the office was good. Right. So we, we did retreats. I, I, wanted, I didn't want to change things too much even though they weren't necessarily successful and we had kind of figured it out. Yeah. Um, so what happened was we kind of became more zeitgeist than Kobayashi oh, throughout the next year and a half a bit right. um, to the point where literally uh, a year and a half in, this wasn't quite working out because we didn't really, I wasn't leading it. Well, let's put it this way. I was figuring out how to lead it because that was the whole sure. point of the merger personally for me was yeah, to right. figure out how to do it. Yeah. And we were actually almost gone. Yeah, I bet you. And, and, like we're, we're three weeks away from gone. Really? Yeah. Wow. So a couple of questions come out of that. One is, how does your team kind of connect while this is going on? I mean, do they, do they see and feel your pain and yeah. concern about this? So, like, really, really early on, we did a lot of smart stuff. Right. We, we stabilized the change. We went away up to Muskoka, Cherry Island yeah. Retreat. We connected. Um, we, we were already like the value-based system was there. So right. from a cultural perspective, it wasn't a shock, right? Uh -huh. Um, and what was interesting was Zeitgeist had two practitioners who did the work as well. Right. Right. And my company, I don't, I can't do the work. Right. I can't do the creative direction. I can't do the programming. I can't right. do the artwork. I can't do that stuff. Yeah. So kind of what happened was they suddenly had a different kind of company in the sense where they could still do their work but they had somebody else kind of making sure things were a little bit more level right yeah, right totally so get that. so almost immediately they they saw that we didn't suddenly go into 
over time on a consistent basis, right. which really stressed things out. Yes. Um, so uh, that was the softest landing out of everything, right. was everybody was like, we love this. Right. We really, really, really oh, like this. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there, there wasn't ever any challenge with the team. The but team was, but bonded, were... everybody liked each other, everybody liked the clients, all that kind of stuff. So how'd you get into where the quicksand's almost coming over your head? Okay, yeah, I know. Ago? So and what brought you back? Because you don't escape from quicksand. I know. Okay, so so one of the things that was happening here was I was like, I don't know how to do this. Essentially, because my own personal emotional stuff, I didn't like the discomfort. What had happened was um, while everybody's kind of happy. Um, uh, I was paying so much attention to operations and this and that, that I really, I don't know, for some reason I didn't want to do sales. Right. Biz dev. And they, remember, the person that had left like, was, was the, the big biz dev person. Right. Brought in the 100K jobs and all right. that kind of stuff. Right. That was like a level up for me. Okay, cool. Personally. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so I hired a sales guy. Yeah. I didn't really do a good job in my due diligence yeah. for the sales guy. He's like, yeah. okay, you know digital marketing, that's great. We want to do more digital and SEO and all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, you've, I've, you introduced me as a biz dev guy a while ago and I hired you, yeah. right? Yeah. It was really quick. It was really my own decision. Right. I didn't consult with anybody. I didn't know how to have a mentor at that time. I didn't know these things, right? right. And so I took my hand off the wheel because it was like, this is scary for me, right? I want somebody else to do this. And so as... Yeah, I know. No, it's a great is it, story. Is it, it is so true for so it, many people. It is ridiculous. Yeah, it is, yeah. you know, looking so backwards, obvious, you don't see Exactly, it exactly. So as that was happening, just as this was happening, I started actually doing some personal development yeah. stuff, right? Courses and whatnot. Sure, so I yeah. starting to figure this out. Yeah. And so I went through this thing where I was, I was paying this guy, you know, 65, 70K a year. Mm -hmm. He was out of his depth. God love him, trying his best, right? Trying to... Never done a cold call cool before. I think it's cool you can life. say, God love him. I think yeah, that's so no, cool. he's well, a yeah, well, you put him in that person. spot, right? I put him in the yeah. like, you, you know, it's, it, it's a very mutual thing, these things. Yeah. So, so he's doing these cold calls and all this stuff and, 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 and really hurting, yeah. um, but still positive energy. I'm, I'm going to keep this up and I'm going to figure it out. And, and usually for me emotionally, that's enough. I, I love you. I'll, I'll, I'll kill myself to, to, to make this work. So. Yeah. It, it, it would have worked five years from now. Yeah. I know he could have gotten there. He yeah. had the right attitude, but we didn't have the right runway. Yeah. So right, right, right. as yeah. this is happening, I'm starting to do what this merger was for me on a personal level, which is grow. Right. Become, I'm, I, I just turned 50 years old and actually become an adult. Nice. I, I think I'm starting that yeah, I'm journey now. So okay, good. awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally get it. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm going through this process and because we're so top heavy now, yeah. right? Yes. Um, and because we've outlasted kind of the biz dev that the founder had left us with, some very large projects, now we're starting to see the gaps. We go through a very, very slow summer last summer. Yeah. And we start to nosedive and I start to say, wait a second, the $50,000 sales aren't appearing. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm selling, you know, my, my sales guy's selling 5,000 and 10,000 and crappy this and that kind of stuff, it's not working. And so um, uh, we, ha we have to hit the ground a few times, like, you know, a day late on source deductions costs you $1,000 on $10,000 yeah, yeah. in source and yeah. stuff like that, yeah, right? Yeah, Shitty sure. stuff, yeah. stupid, stupid debt. And what 
switched was this continuous work on what's happening with me, yeah. what's happening with me, taking ownership for everything, wow. everything. Wow. It was not his fault, it was not his fault, it was not his fault, yeah. it doesn't matter. If I'm like, if it's happening, it's me, yeah. right? Yeah. Really, really, really. Yeah, sure. And then I remember the day, it was like December 5th last year. <laughs> so, so I remember sitting there and I was having the worst day because I was like a couple hundred grand in debt. I had no assets except for my car. Yeah. What right, kind of which, car was it? It was, it, it's a Honda Odyssey on a seven year finance, 35,000. I could probably sell it for 20 grand cash, right? Yeah. Which is a third of my burn, right? Yeah. And, and, and I have like three quarters, three weeks of accounts receivables. And my creative director is about to go on vacation <laughs> for a month yeah, in Nicaragua. There you go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm not going to even, and, and we're closing down for, for Christmas or the, the week there. And I remember just feeling like having a bad, 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 bad day. I felt horrible in you my think? gut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was, and, and then I remember I was sitting there going, holy cow, I really... You didn't say holy cow. Come on, Brett. No, no, I said holy... I only swear here. <laughs> you're, a bad, you're a very bad influence for Yeah, I am. Very actually. bad. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, so I remember thinking, I really, really, really care if people like me or not yeah if people judge me or not so firing somebody that's not working out yeah um when's the last time you fired anybody besides that person? before that yeah uh it had been like six years prior okay and that one yeah. was also still no fun yeah, yeah. so yeah. so usually it gets to the point where i'm really feeling justified and i hate the person yeah kind of thing. This wasn't the case because I knew it was me, right? I knew it was me. Yeah. And, 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 and he had also, we had also talked that this was possibly going to happen because we're not getting the results. So he had a lot of window uh -huh. into this whole thing. And the funny thing is, I, I'm, I'm actually seeing the benefits of a lot of the work that he did. I just didn't have the runway. Mm. Um, cool. And I, and I learned a few other things. So anyways, I realized it's actually me. I care what other people think. I got to get over that. Yeah. So that discomfort of yeah. saying, I'm not going to give you a raise and yeah. you being upset with me yeah. doesn't suddenly mean I give you a raise now. Yeah, that's right? right? Yeah, that's very cool. That's usually what happens. So I wanted... Uh, and then I just, I just took ownership. Yeah. I just like, I just got up. I started selling. Yeah. I took it. I took my responsibility back in the, in, in, in the business. Um, a couple of things from here. Uh, one is, I remember when I had to fire my first person, yeah. uh, I remember my father telling me, he said, uh, he says, you didn't get them fired, they did. First sure, of all. okay. So, so that, that was a cool letting it go. I actually disagree with that, but I'm going to go on. But it, it allowed, but in this case... Maybe it makes it a little bit, yeah. In, in, in this case, she did. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> okay. so that's okay. Okay, that was good advice. Yeah, yeah it was okay. good advice then. Keep that the, the second thing is, I got to ask you this, this interview is not going anywhere at all where you thought it would go, would it? Yeah, no, it's no. Lovely. I, and, yeah. I want, and so why I say that is thank you okay, for yeah, taking us yeah. on that journey because it's raw, it's real, and uh, ownership of it, yeah. and you know a lot of a lot of CEOs, owners, founders, leaders wouldn't do that. So thank you okay. for that. But I want to spend the last couple of minutes giving you and your organization some bandwidth, and so oh, okay. brag a bit of what you do and how we can get in touch with you. Oh, okay. So we we put together we. We, we marry that marketing business objective things with the creative, with the uh, sort of user empath like empathy that you need to actually pull together a site. 
um, into that real hardcore understanding of development. So it's a very integrated collaborative team and collaborative with our, with our clients so that we can pull off stuff like having a large, oftentimes association type website. It can be corporate as well, where there's a lot of information, a lot of competing objectives going right, on. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so that you can actually bring a user through that. Right. Not like, yes, user experience, but not just that. You need to bring the whole actual objectives and achieve the objectives of the client. So, so if, if, if we want to give myself a little bit of bandwidth, like the 40 to 50K plus yep. um, kind of organizations that have always built that website, which is organizing information. Mm -hmm rather than achieving their objectives. Right. We know we have 500 different types of documents and this and that, and, yeah. and we need to give it all to them. So you get all these horrible long menus and this and that, and then it's just not an actual experience right. which achieves their, 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 both their user's objectives, empathetically, as well as their objectives, and even their internal objectives, right? right. Their admin and all that type of stuff. Right so that's kind of like our sweet spot cool. that, that, that energizes us. And you say the 40, 50, what does that represent? 40 to 50K? Yeah. Um, that that would be like a, that core website that's, type. That's the budget they would have to develop that, or is that their monthly revenue? What, what's the? Oh, thanks. Uh, that would be like a project work. Okay. And then cool. we do have monthly services and all that kind of yeah, stuff, right, which right. which which range. Yeah. Well, what I love what you've just done is you wrapped around creativity and with strategy and a yeah, lot yeah. of organizations. They play colors. They play just put it together, and, and no. they don't get into the strategic side of it. No. It, Let's put it this way. That makes sense at a, for a certain organization at a certain point in their life cycle. It's like, just fucking do it, uh, right? Just get it. Yep. It really doesn't make sense for a ridiculous number of organizations, yeah. both um, uh, profit and nonprofit, um, where they're just, they've just maybe I think even lost faith in what the online world can yeah, yeah, do. Yeah, totally, totally. Because there's so much promise at one right, point, right. so much. And so it's kind of like, yeah, 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 just put it together, Yeah. done. Yeah, because um, it's checkbox. Yeah, yeah it, it, cool. it becomes a checkbox type, type thing. So th that's who we like to talk cool. with. That's, and, and how do they talk to you? Uh, easiest way to, is to check us out at kobayashi.ca, so which is K-O-B-A-Y-A-S-H-I Do it a little slower, because they're going to... Oh, okay. Yeah. Real K-O-B is in Bob, A-Y-A... S H I dot C A. Is that this, too slow? You've done I this felt many a bit times, too right? slow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks so much, man. It's been a real, a, an amazing journey. I didn't expect we were going to go in that direction either. Yeah, geez. This is what I love about these podcast conversations. Can I actually pull this? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you get the waiver? So, so I, I have yeah, to. Yeah. I have to say though, after that journey, yeah. literally my revenue is fifty percent higher average per month. Yeah. So. Uh, so we're we're gonna we're topping Ownership. a million, right? Yeah. And my my expenses are lower, Fewer right? Enough. So yeah. we're it's we're it's working. I my my team is leveling up because I'm leveling yeah, up, right? On. Right? And 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 it's such a beautifully wonderfully experienced team. Yeah. That that it, it, this just had to happen. It's Love just it. it needed me to figure it out. And and uh, I like I, figure I, myself out. That's yeah, what I mean. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, but also you're respecting what their needs are too. Um, how, um, 
is there is there a program that you went through? Is it you know a Tony Robbins deal that you grabbed onto? Yeah, it's more just what was the name of the program? Because oh, okay. unfortunately okay. We, we we run out of sure no 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 problem. But really, so so what was game changing for yeah. me was yeah. uh, something called Seeds Leadership. S E E D S. Yes. Leadership, and I just it blew me away and it blew my wife away wow like my our, our relationship changed my relationship with kids my relationship with all the people like it was just ridiculous it's, it's, it's been phenomenal congratulations yeah man. thank you great having you very good to have you too thank, thank you, you so much so uh back at the uh, startup canada podcast with well, someone really special, and uh, he's just learning now how special I think he is. Uh, I made an impact in my life last year and my friends' lives, and uh, uh, Peter Katz is uh, in the studio overlooking the lake in this beautiful setting, and Peter's a singer-songwriter, a Canadian. Uh, by the way, you've got to follow his, uh, his uh, I'm on Spotify, so I'm on your radio, follow your radio stuff on there. And Anyway, Peter, I want to... Uh, one, thank you for giving us your time today, but also I want to learn about your career as a singer-songwriter from an entrepreneurial perspective. For sure. Okay, so, you know, when I hear about singers and songwriters, you, you have a certain style around it. So I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to let our audience go to Peter Katz. That's K-A-T-Z. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, and you can really understand why I love his music and why I love the messaging behind the music. And so I'm going to let your music speak for yourself. But I want to I want to now take because a lot of people don't think of singer songwriters having businesses. They just think that's what you do. Right. So how did you how did when you started your business as a startup? Yeah. Uh, what are some of the things that you had to do to get your career moving along to the uh, to the year one or sorry year two and year three? Well, the my first kind of entrance into it was playing open mics. Yes. Um, and you know that was like the very early days of literally standing on a stage for the first time playing one of my own songs, shaking like a leaf. Yeah, and, right on. Uh, and yeah. uh, and you know, as soon as I did that for the first time, especially with one of my own songs, you know, mm-hmm. I had played in cover bands and stuff, uh, you know, as a teenager, and then in my late teens, I discovered the open mic, and uh, and I just. I was like, whoa, this is, this is something special. And, oh. and I, I had, you know, I'd always been like a creative person and always wanted to find my outlet. And I tried acting and like different kinds of writing things. And, and, but the song is just this like little three, four minute thing that you can mm. actually get right. Not that that's easy to get it right, but, right. It, but I got excited about the format. I got excited that it was like just me, Peter singing about stuff in my life. Yeah. And so I started on these open mics and then I found around Toronto, there was, there was like four different open mics I could go to Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So right. I'd go to all these open mics and I challenge myself every week to write a new song Brilliant. once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that I'll fast forward a little bit, but that led to my you know first show and, and uh, which was a friend of mine had three 45 minute sets and he didn't have 45 minutes <laughs> that much music. So he's like, Hey, you want to do a set? Brilliant. And that was the first time that I kind of strung all the songs together. Yeah. And then, and then I just started playing shows around Toronto and, and, uh, so how do you how do you so you play shows? How do you get to the shows? So well, somebody says, "Yeah, man, you're in." Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was you know playing these open mics. I would you know the, start to meet the the venue owners who'd catch you at the open mic, and you know you you ask a bunch of friends to come out and cheer real loud when sure. you're you're up there, and yeah. and, uh, and that kind of got me my first booking at the Free Times Cafe. Yes, and. Uh, and at that time, I was in college, so it was actually pretty easy to get crowds of people out. Sure. Um, 
And so, you know, word got around uh, and I would, I don't know, I made posters in Microsoft Word and, uh, you know. You bootstrap. I bootstrap, yeah. you know. Like if I had a show booked, it was, I'm making like glue paste on my stove and going out and postering the city and, uh, yeah, just doing everything in my power to, to, to get the word out. And something that I did right from the beginning is... I actually was self-aware enough to know that I, I wasn't the best, right. you know, like right. I was, I was still pretty rough around the edges mm -hmm. and, and I knew that my set wasn't necessarily awesome yet. Right. And I knew that I needed to get my 10,000 hours in. Yeah. Um, fine tune it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so part of the strategy was to play as much as possible right. at the, in those early days, that strategy changed, yes. but also I wanted every promoter that I worked with. I wanted to be kind to them. Yes. I wanted to be on time. I wanted my posters to arrive Love well it. before the show. Love it. Every single promoter got a thank you yeah. after the show. Yeah. And so even if I didn't sell out their venue the first time, yeah. and even if it wasn't like the dream show yet, they, I became known as like, okay, Peter's going to do his best. He's going to promote. He's going to be on time. He's going to be respectful. And I sort of built that reputation. Brilliant. Um, and which allowed me to have more opportunities and then you know I could play Toronto and Hamilton and then I could play Toronto Hamilton Kitchener and then I'd add London to that and I started you know just doing a cycle yeah. in Ontario and then added Montreal and places around Quebec and Mon Ontario. And did that business grow because of your relationship with the promoters? Yeah exactly yeah. and then you're also at that time it was like MySpace and you know yeah. you're always doing the best thing you can possibly do MySpace, you yeah. know but yeah. but I was doing stuff like I would, you know, if there was an agent I wanted to work with, yeah. I would go outside their office yes. and that one block, Peter Katz posters would be everywhere. Love it. So when I called them up, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, I've heard of you before. <laughs> yeah. I would do all that kind of stuff. And I would, you know, back in the day of like press kits, I would like be outside of Now Magazine and everybody be getting a press kit. And yeah. it was almost like overboard, but it, it got people's attention. You know, that's so funny. I, I don't know if this is folklore or whatever, but I heard about Red Bull when they started. They right. would take their empty cans into bars and just put them on all the tables, right. even though they never sold Red Bull. Right. And so people right. kept asking the bartender, yeah. can I have one of these Red Bulls? Same sort of thing. Yeah. You know, that guerrilla marketing is what you were doing. Yeah, I have a friend that sneaks hot sauce bottles onto tables at restaurants. <laughs> there you so go. Not even the restaurant. Yeah, put that's it there. so cool. I did that once at a, at a hotel in uh, in Fredericton. They, you, when you pull up their, their computers in their lobby, you automatically get a website. Well, right. I, I actually changed the to so it would bring up my company oh, every time someone came. Anyway, they stopped you from being able to do that. Yeah, you know, I think you just made an interesting lesson there about the promoters and a lot of people. A lot of people uh, take the suppliers and they put the number third right. on the list of importance. Right. When really to run your business without them, you can get new employees. You know, you can get new products, but you, if you don't have suppliers to ultimately drive what it is you're doing, it doesn't work. So you got to give those people respect. And they're the ones that are going to sell your products again to other people. So I think that's brilliant. You took that approach. A hundred percent. And also, you know, as you know, when, when you're starting and you're playing the small cafe and you're doing the interview at the college radio station, yeah. 10 years later, that college radio DJ now works at CBC, right on, now man. works at the bigger places. Yeah, totally. And so, so many of those relationships yeah. that that I established at the ground level, I right. still work at those people, not at the cafe anymore. Right. Now they're a bigger promoter. So that's so interesting. When, yeah. when I was a kid, I used to be in awe of people that yeah. knew the CEOs and the presidents of right. companies, and now they're buddies of mine. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. you're able to make, pick up that call or whatever, make that's the right. network connection. Yeah. Tell us about your, you, we talked about the beginning of your career as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Where are you at now? 
Well, it's interesting. You know, at a certain point, I actually had a realization that I was I was putting too much time and energy into the like branding of Peter Katz and the word of Peter Katz and the content itself needed a needed a to catch up. And well, like, that's interesting. You know? yeah. And I was like, I was like, okay, you know, my website's up to date and everybody's seeing my posters, but I'm not actually delivering a product now right. that I I need to like go back and actually get better at what I'm doing. Yeah. So there was a shift that I that I had to make to really consciously you know woodshed and write better songs and you know start writing with other people and just really up the game as far as the content that I was creating and there also came a point where just sort of value wise if people feel like oh, I can see him any day of the week at any little club right. like there's no there's no excitement right. that uh, Peter Katz is playing tonight. Yeah, I totally understand that. So I had to actually sort of de deliberately say, okay, I'm only going to play Toronto once a year. Right. I'm still going to play 100, 150 shows a year, but right. only one of them is going to be in Toronto. Right, smart. And that way you can get 400 people out to your show yeah, totally. versus they can come see any day of the week. You, you know? know, there's a there's a donut shop in Fredericton, and its yeah. motto, it's the way they sell is they open at eight and they close when they're sold out. Right. And they create such a demand. They're yeah. sold out by 10 in the morning. Wow, they don't have, they don't have staff for the rest of the day. Right. None of that stuff. And they've got all the sales they want right. for that particular day. It's exactly yeah. what you've done. Yeah. Now you have an agent. Yeah. I have different agents in different, different countries, depending on where I'm going. Okay. So how do you choose your agents? What's the process you go through? Oh. Say, uh, you're the one. Do you have an hour? Or <laughs> <laughs> I do. The podcast yeah, right. doesn't, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tricky with, with, you know, ultimately what you want is you want people coming to you. Yes. Um, yes. But there's about 8 million guys that look like, like everybody has an album. Everybody's got GarageBand now. Like yeah. there, there's a lot of noise as far as, you know, male singer songwriters go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the early days, there was a lot of solicitation of people and you know trying to just get on the radar like i said postering outside of their yeah, doors and yeah, yeah. and ultimately at this point you know we try to choose people that understand the vision are going to represent me the right. way that i want to be represented you right. know there's people that i've worked with that they were you know at the big agencies or whatever but i would get feedback that they were completely rude to to right. the, you know these promoters that i built relationships with uh -huh. and i just said i can't have that you right. know so maybe i worked with a smaller agent but they understood the ethos of what I wanted to put it, be putting out there, how I wanted people to be treated. Right. And, you know, you, with everything in life, it's a choice and there's pros and cons. Yes. Um, but I don't regret making those choices to, to, to honor those relationships. Yeah. And I'm about to put out a brand new record. And so we'll see how those relationships... You going to uh, talk about that record tonight? I'm going to play a new song from it tonight. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I got to ask you, I got to make sure I get these two questions out, so I'm going to make sure I ask them both now, so I For don't sure. forget them both. The one is I want to talk about how you approach going into different markets with their cultural differences. So how you right. might approach a show in Chile versus right. wherever. Right. And the second one is, and I find this absolutely <laughs> fascinating with the changes that have happened in your industry. Right. How you still say I'm putting out a record. It's not I'm putting out a digital file to right go right. on Spotify. Yeah. Everybody still calls it a record. Right. And I think that's so interesting. So let's go back to the cultural part. For sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've done, I've played Singapore and Mexico and, and all across Europe and different places. And it's certainly, it's interesting. Like, you know, when I play in the Netherlands, like they all speak English there really well. When right. you speak, play in Germany, 
They don't. And I've, I've been told that the reason is that the, the movies in the Netherlands, like American movies, they're in English and then the, there's the subtitles. Right. But in Germany, the American movies are in German. They've been dubbed. Oh, okay. So like just right. that kind of difference. Right. Um, so it's a different challenge because for me as an artist, a lot of what I do is actually in between the songs. You know, it's mm. I try to build this connection with the audience, like kind of what I've been doing with my. Yes. So if you, if, just a little segue. Do you do that? What you do, what do you do what you do in Fireside? On your all of your shows, or the majority of your shows. Yeah, I mean, the the thing I do at Fireside is is I I sort of created this term called keynote concerts, you right, know, which right. is like it looks like a concert, yeah. but and there's music, but there's a lot more talking That's than wonderful. music. Whereas yeah. obviously, when people are buying a ticket to see me play as an artist, right. there's less talking and more music. Okay. But, it's, but there still is talking in those. Hundred yeah. percent, and like it's not it's not necessarily as like didactic, totally message based, right. or it's you know when I'm creating a, a keynote talk, there's it's been like, excruciatingly thought out and mapped out and sure. like this is the beginning middle end and yeah. you know if i'm talking with the client of like what's the feeling in the room you want at the end what's the key takeaways you know that all of that is being crafted in right. when i'm doing a show i'm going to bounce around different themes yeah, you know sure. covering records from different eras of my career right. um but i i definitely um the, the reason i started being asked to do keynotes was because people were coming to my shows and they were like hey this thing that you do where you set up a song like really Oliver's man. tune or whatever mm. that could be, mm. can you do that for, mm. you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour. Um, so it was kind of this natural evolution moving into the, the keynote world because I was like, Oh, I'm already doing this. I just need to put a map to it and put these three songs together based on whatever, you know, themes they want covered. And yeah. I've spent 15 years writing songs i got hundreds of songs i can just reverse engineer whatever yeah, song brilliant. i want to create and, and the you content. could technically go back to the same audience that you did the uh, the songs yeah. with because they're already connected to your brand exactly yeah it's pretty awesome so we got a couple minutes left go back yeah. to that record thing why do what is uh what is why do you people still call it record i mean it's it i'm a, i'm i guess a, every artist like we have a bit of this like dinosaur yeah, <laughs> complex yeah, thing right. where yeah but you know because Technically, the smarter thing to do is just to create a single, like test it in the market. Yeah. And people do do that. Yeah. Um, and that can be more of a release strategy too. Like you like do a couple of singles, see which ones work, and then you could create more content around that. But it just, it just, the artist in me is like an album is a, is a, is a stamp of a moment in time. Yeah. And That's so brilliant. Yeah. And so you just like for economic reasons it's also you kind of want to go into recording mode and yeah. you know you're you're like pulling all the resources together to go into recording mode so you want to do more than one song you right. know and if, right. if you're bringing in musicians you don't want to just hire them to play on one song if they're there and you you're all set up um but yeah i guess i've just always seen albums as these like time stamps of of my life you know yeah, for, I like that. for some people it's like every year their birthday like where where was i or yeah, you know yeah. or you know what was i doing last year at this time i kind of right. see you know these songs have really mapped out my life yeah. um and i think that's why the genre and the influences and everything changes because i change hopefully you know so, so why why do you keep coming back to fireside i was i was wonderfully uh, surprised that you were here because i uh, one enjoyed it last year but two you came back again be, because of what reason well I mean, you invited first yeah, of all. <laughs> yeah, but uh, truthfully, I mean, this 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 is going to sound like hyperbole, but it's actually not. What I got to do at Fireside last year was one of the most validating moments of my life. Wow. Um, because I didn't tell anybody this, but that was really the first 
keynote I gave to a group of adults. So really? um, I had done a, like keynotes for about a year to youth, but yeah. I wrote that talk for Fireside. Wow. And I didn't realize how perfect it was yeah. until it was happening. Wow. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I recognize that this was an opportunity and I, for months, I worked on that talk. My friend Blake, who you're going to talk to, you know, he's an amazing speaker. He helped me craft yeah, this thing. Yeah, he told me he's a great speaker. Yeah, <laughs> he is a great speaker. But I worked with, you know, I worked with multiple people to, to help craft this thing. And, yeah. and But as it was happening in the moment, everything I've done in my life, there was just this thing that was happening between me and the audience. And, and I, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, there's this whole other... Me and you, by the way. Yeah, I was well, in the audience too. <laughs> but it was this, this realization that who I am and what I do is yeah. is and not it's not actually even tied to it, I must it must be only in the singer songwriter format. Yes. It's it's it can be translated into other formats. Yes, and for totally. me, it's all about being at the center of emotion with people. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, that there was just such a kinship between the entrepreneurs here. Like yeah, these are people that. Was- that have ideas and actually do something about it. Yeah. And for them, it's called an app or their startup. For me, yeah. it's called a song, but right. it's the same thing. It's the same ethos. Sure. It's, it's like, man, this is keeping me up at night. I have to do something about it. Yeah. And all of these people have said, I'm going to do something about it. And that's why they're like sleeping on a bed made for nine year olds here or whatever it is, yeah. because they're, they're like, they're putting their time, energy and money behind mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And that energy and that vibe is just, that's, that's how I roll. Yeah. And, uh, well, I've always said in business, if once you start to emotionally connect with your audience, then yeah. you really have got them for right. a lifetime. And uh, when I, when I first saw you here yesterday, uh, maybe it was Thursday night, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I talked to you about the power of fireside is right. that the intellectual connection, but also the heart connection. Yeah. and you started that journey for the audience. You wow. really did. So congratulations on that. Thank you. It's a real honor and privilege to have you on the Startup oh. Canada podcast show, and well, like uh, keep happening, man. Thanks, Thanks so, much. so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for having me. So I'm here with Sydney, and I'm gonna. I'm at the Fireside Conference, and we're gonna have a very interesting conversation because it really touches this conversation on things that I think is very important, particularly with regards to entrepreneurs, is their journey with mental health mm-hmm. and uh, how they do that. But when we just met, I did my kind of shake hands, and you said, "No, nope, I hug." <laughs> so tell me about that part of of your lifestyle that connects with who you are as an individual and the business journey that you're on. Okay. Um, My lifestyle is getting people out of the comfort zones and getting them on a journey, whether it be a small adventure or just experiencing something new that they haven't ever encountered or maybe they wanted to try but were too afraid to. So... In one in giving hugs, eight hugs a day prevents it's depression. Eight hugs. eight hugs. I mean, eight you hugs. can go eight hundred hugs a day, but but yours is eight. Your minimum is eight. And when do you have usually done your eight by? Uh oh, nine nine a.m. Nine a.m. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Do you do it with strangers? Like you yeah, have, you, oh, just, you just go over and hug them. Yeah, Love I've it. done uh, free hugs in Sydney, Australia, yeah, and people with are, sign. Yeah, yeah, Love with the it. sign. Love it. <laughs> but um. Yeah, that's my lifestyle is adventure and mm-hmm. wellness and health. And I teach yoga all around the world. I lead adventure yoga retreats. And um, sometimes it's people that have never done yoga at all. So right. the retreat is designed. You you are introduced to this new group of people that are interested in the same things you are, but right. you would have never met any other way. And uh, you're exploring new parts of the world with 
a new set of eyes because yeah. you have someone that's guiding you through and really immersing you in the culture. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess the the mental part of it comes in when I'm I get people to go deeper. I want you to be more than just surface level because a lot of people, you know, you have oh the weather's nice today, yeah, right. but I want to know who you are right. and not what you do as a professional. Like, what do you love to do? What are your hobbies? What what right. are the things that make you tick? And yeah. uh, what are the traumas that you've experienced in your life that made you who you are today? And right. you're still standing here, so you have survived those things. Everybody's experienced some type of... It may not be a severe trauma, but maybe you've witnessed something else yeah, happen sure. to someone else. You don't get others without scars. Right. You? And, um, yeah, so... Cool. Here I am. <laughs> so what's kind of cool, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I've been doing... Uh, Amanda, how many conversations have I had so far? This is number nine. Thanks. So I've done nine conversations. Sydney's the only one that's leaned into the conversation. So you're very purposeful and very intent in how you're trying to connect with people mm -hmm. and have dialogue with them to let them know that you're involved with that conversation yes. and what's important to them. That's so cool. And eye contact too. This is yeah. an exercise anybody can do at home, like especially with close people in your family friend group or even mm -hmm. strangers to have eye contact for mm -hmm. one minute in silence. Mm -hmm. All the emotions that come up and wow. to be able to really see that person right. and just think, man, if I didn't have this person in my life, like where would I be today? Yeah. And I'm so grateful for this person. Yeah, that's so awesome. So, so how did you talk a bit about your background and how you get here, your, your family upbringing? Is this uh, how it came? Was it a traumatic thing that happened? In I your have life? it. So and I had a really share with it as you want. No, to, no, know? I'm an open book. So okay. anything anybody wants to know. But um, for me, yeah, I had a, I grew up in a really abusive household. Mm -hmm. um, I was almost killed at 15. So mm. because of that abuse and, um, so I moved out. I moved out when I was 15 right. and then I raised my brother and What's uh, his name? His name's Andrew. Nice. Um yeah, so Shout out to Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine me times 10 on crack as far as energy level goes oh, and wow. he's just like a ball of wow. energy and no, he he's doing great and uh yeah, I started to learn like I have these things going on as I as I was an adult and started to get more into yoga, I was recognizing different tension I was holding into my body, right. different things that I hadn't recognized. So one way of healing for me was to write a letter to my abuser. Right. You don't have to give the letter to that right. person. Yeah, I've but heard this a lot before. Yeah, getting those emotions sure. out yeah. and like addressing yeah. it yeah. on your own yeah. is, a, is a way of self-healing. And the book that I've written is for, the book is called Shine. Shine. Um, Can you get it now? Uh, it will be... In the next six months, it will be okay, so on release. This may be out in the next six months. Okay. So, so uh, just pretend it's six months from now. Okay. How do people get a hold of Shine? Um, Is so it on Amazon? It'll be on Amazon. Okay. Um, it'll probably be sold on my website, okay. thetravelinggypsy.org. Thetravelinggypsy.org. Yes. Okay, we're going to get into that. Okay, okay. okay. Cool, cool. <laughs> um, so the, the basis of the book is on a form of, almost a form of meditation called shielding. Right. Where... When you hear shield, you probably hear a suit or you envision like a suit of armor, yeah, exactly a metal shield, yeah. but this is your personal shield. It could be a cocoon made of cotton candy where bad vibes get caught in the fibers and then mm. you just get home, you shake it out, it's done. Mm. Maybe you still have some anger issues. You're covered in mirrors and you reflect mm. it back to the person. Mm. I don't want it to go back out into the world. So mine is a bubble. Yes. And when it's touched, it's transformed into a loving energy. Um, but the whole process of it is 
envisioning your shield what does it look like how do you get inside what does it do to negative energy um does it have a superpower does it have a smell a taste but really fully envisioning that and then every day when you're brushing your teeth every morning you get into your shield and you're already like in that good happy positive mindset and then once you're out in the world nothing affects you the same way it used to and it just kind of rolls off um so the the book itself the main character he's this sad little guy he's yep. walking around what's kick, his name his name's zay uh, zay zay yeah z-a-y mm-hmm. nice. z-e-h yes okay, okay. um and Z-E-H. yes yeah, <laughs> so he's walking along the world feels dark and heavy it looks dark and heavy and yeah. this happy little guy sees him out of the corner and he comes over and he's like hey and he, he says like you. yeah he's me <laughs> so he surrounds him in this bubble of light and the little sad guy like he looks up he's like what is that Mm. and he notices that the darkness goes away a little bit and so they start going along on this journey sort of like wizard of oz they go on an adventure and meet Mm. new characters along the way so they're going to be encountered with different negative situations and in each negative situation a new happy person is introduced that has a new type of shield so they will try on that shield and it works but it doesn't fit quite right because it's mm. not his shield right, right. and but he gets the hang of it and they right. keep going along they overcome each obstacle but then at the end he thinks like why don't i have a superpower right. or a, right. a shield and right. he's like well maybe i do and yeah. then he just shakes a little bit turns into this he bursts into this ball of light and all of the darkness goes away yeah, so that's so cool one of the things with shielding is if you have severe trauma, maybe you built your shield so strong that yeah. no good vibes get in or out. And right. you don't want to do that. So the practice with that is once you get the hang of wearing your shield, yeah. maybe try not wearing it yeah. and instead shining your light brighter because right. that still has the same right. effect. Right. And so the book itself is to show that you have everything you need inside of yourself. Cool. You can overcome any obstacle that's you're encountered with and surrounding yourself with good positive people along the way you can learn from them take what you need and then keep growing and brightening up the world very cool so um what i think is gonna be cool is when you're gonna see many kids all of a sudden their names are zay yeah (laughs) (laughs) i made that up that's what i want to name my son (laughs) i don't have a son yet but (laughs) that's awesome thanks So, so Take us on your journey. One of the questions I do want to ask yeah. relates really back to the book, but I want we only got a short time That's for this. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can continue one yeah. after talking about the traveling traveling gypsy the traveling gypsy yeah. business. So, what the what, what is does it, it do? And but but more so, what is it bringing your audience? Do, do they are they uh, do you travel to where they are? or Do they come with you on this uh, on this okay. journey? So it's adventure yoga retreats. Right. Um, it started. Uh, I I've traveled for the last. 16 years solo and people were always like tell me when you're gonna go next I would love to go with you but there were so many people asking I thought well maybe I should just set up something where everybody can go and I was in corporate world for a long time doing event planning and project management Mm -hmm. so it all aligned Um, so basically what it does uh, you get off a plane I take care of you for the time frame it could be a week could be two weeks where where are we going Uh, we could go to Costa Rica Guatemala Greece uh, Portugal wherever you want to go and sometimes it's private groups that reach out to me and I host them yeah. or I have planned it and then people come with me on the dates that I've planned. Okay. Um, so three meals a day, two yoga classes a day, if you want them, it's your journey. So if you wanted to lay in a hammock and read a book, like that's totally optional. Um, and then an, an adventure a day. Yeah. So, so, so travel is very competitive. Right. 
you know, I'm, I'm a believer you got to zag when everybody else zigs mm -hmm. in order to be really the one that stands yeah. out. So what's your zag in, in the My zag, gypping? I love to fully immerse you in the culture. Like, why did we come to this country when you could have gone to any other resort? Mm -hmm. I want to, for you to feel at home in this new space that right. you may have never even one heard of or know where it exists on the map. Right. And now you are living like a local. I want to, so for example, in Guatemala, we did a fire ceremony with a Mayan shaman. Right. We went to a women's co-op where uh, they, they teach you the different nuts and berries that make the colors of the dyes in that clothing. And one plant, when you pick it any time throughout of the year, it's a baby blue. Right. And then on a full moon, it's a midnight blue. Right. You won't learn that in any, any book that you're probably right. going to find. Yeah, of course not. So I just, and... We went on a volcano hike. We oh, went to a cool. nature reserve where you hand feed the monkeys. Just right. fully, like, full on, hands on experience that get you out of your comfort zone yeah. and blow your mind. Things yeah. that you weren't expecting. I don't tell you all the adventures that we go on. Yeah. And it's like, it's a nice surprise along the way. Well, that's very so. cool. Sydney, I, uh, if, when I usually do my podcast show, it goes okay. for 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. And I know I could talk to you for much longer than 30, 40 minutes. This one's only 12 minutes long. But out of this, to me, the takeaway for our audience is they need to hang out with you. They need to know you more. They need to connect with you more. They really do. And I, I mean, I wish you could see her right <laughs> now. It's really cool. I mean, the energy and the positiveness and, and the desire to impact people's mm -hmm. lives is so cool. So you're going on a journey that is more than the traveling gypsy, more than shine. Uh, and I think why people need to connect with you and, and really become part of your tribe. So how do they do that? Uh, so on Instagram, I'm traveling underscore gypsy with okay. one L. Okay. Um, and then the travelinggypsy.org is my website. Okay. Um, if you need health, wellness, adventure, whatever you need, just connect. Yeah, that's connect. The point. That's connect. The point yeah. Connect. Well, that's awesome, Sydney. So I'm going in for a second hug. Yes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the tail end of the conversations with entrepreneurs at the uh, at the Fireside Conference 2018, and we purposely put this guy last for a few reasons. One is he's got an amazing personality, he's kind of like mine. He's uh, he's got an amazing journey he's on, and he kept showing up and walking away. So just through pure situation, you're the last person, Blake. But we're glad to have you here, and um, you're, uh, we, we first saw you down at the pitch competition, and uh, you did a memorable pitch there, and you're doing some cool things with your life. So what's your story, man? Well, it's always fun to be a forced finale yes. on a podcast series. My story is I was always inspired as a student when people would come to school and give a presentation. I thought, who are these people? Where did they come from? I'm learning something, I'm laughing, this is cool. So I actually, after university, entered the world of public speaking. I traveled around Canada and the US speaking to kids in elementary school, high school, college. And the main topic was how to help them transition to the next part of school. So transition out of elementary school into high school, out of high school into college and university. And I used to live and work in residences when I was a student in university. Oh, yeah? Were you a proctor, monitor? I was an RA, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, this is such an amazing community. Yes. Everybody's here at the same time, same stage, going through the same fights, the same highs, same lows. Yeah. So I really wanted to get students excited 
for that time. Yeah, okay. And in that transition. That transition. Mm -hmm. And so later in life, I realized that a big transition for students is getting into their life online. Okay. And so now the main focus with my life online, our education company, is how do we teach kids to be safe, smart, and kind online so that they can build community online, that they can help themselves online, and that they don't hurt themselves and each other and ruin opportunities, but rather how could they help themselves and each other and maybe create some cool opportunities from the moment their mom buys them their first cell phone, which according to research is now eight years old. So here's a question for you. Um, the, people, the, the kids who are using your educational form, is that platform, um, are they your customers? We thought they were. Uh -huh. Initially it was kids because we were giving presentations in schools to kids. Later on, we realized perhaps it's parents. Right. Because That's why I ask. the yeah. parents are in love with the message. Yes. And they say to us that we don't know how to talk to our kids about this topic. Yes. So help us help them yes. <laughs> with these resources. Yes, exactly. So yes, I believe we're building a parent company right. more than a kid company. Yeah, maybe kid education, but it's a parent-focused uh, organization. So um, what are some of the ways in which you deliver that message so that, one, it has impact, but two, it has the, uh, it has the ability to uh, to resonate with the kids so they say this is this is freaking cool i want to keep going on this journey yeah well right now it's in a few different forms one we have the presentation in schools for kids so yes. we have about 20 presenters across north america who go and deliver it second way is we have video curriculum for teachers to facilitate us on video in yes. their classroom okay, right on. and then the third way is just digital products and resources for parents at home right. but the one way that we get the attention of kids and that we resonate with kids is the first words out of our mouth in those presentations to the kids is the internet is neither a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing that can help you be more of who you already are. Right. And when they hear us say that social media is not bad, so many kids are like, well, we've not heard an adult tell us that before because yeah, right. there's a lot of fear and terror about the bad things that can happen online, which, right. which is valid. Yes. But we want to round it out with and let's not miss out on so much of the life that now takes place online because it's it's like saying to a kid 50 years ago you will never be able to use your telephone to talk to a friend right right and now that's where their friends gather so it's how they socialize and not the only way but a massive way so is it a um, is it a platform is it a, um, a value offering that is as a finite time period by which they hang out with my life online or or is it a continual relationship that you have with them? It used to be finite, go in, present, thanks for having us. Yeah. And now it's continuing because um, with the parent products, yes. we have a parent community so that they can just stay engaged. We have like experts do webinars and things and they can have conversations with us ongoing. That trickles down to the kids at home. Right. And we've also recently made a line of cartoon characters yes. so that those cartoon characters can be an education team in forms of like little books, little movies, little videos so that kindergarten to grade three gets this message as well, but in a way that is tailored to that age. So a grade eight might hear how to be safe online and not cyber bully yourself or others, whereas a grade one might read this little book that we wrote right. about characters called Truman, Kindred and You about how to be true, how to be kind and how to make sure you're acting in a way that you want to be represented as. 
but it's just themes for the little kids yeah. and strategies as they grow up. Yeah, of course. And so are, these, are you finding these little kids now continue on your journey with you because they've got that relationship with you initially? Yeah, and, and we want to build that out more, and that's the focus of the business right now is how do we take care of a community yeah. of kids, teachers, and families yeah. instead of go in, teach some things, yes. and then see you never. So the, um, the, 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 I'll call them facilitators, they have, they said 20 of them you've got in yeah. your team? Yeah. So are they full-time with you? Or are you outsourced with them as you need them? They're basically a team of contractors. Right, so cool. it's a variety of people, teachers, right. uh, people who used to be camp counselors, yes. individuals who are also presenters and have some time in their calendar. So yeah. we train them from around the world online. And then off they go into schools. And once they send us some video footage that shows they rocked it, yeah. then they become a certified My Life Online presenter. And it's a very part-time part of their life. And so how do you find business? For, for them, for the online, for the schools? How does your, your sales and marketing strategy work? Uh, currently, one of the things that we've been up to is Goalcast. It's it's like a they promote positive media online. Goalcast put a video up I of our work. this organization. Yeah, yeah, so Goalcast put our video up, and that video has 10 million views now, which, right. which could sound just like a bunch of smoke and mirrors, even to me, but it's actually made a lot of buzz for interest with the presentation. So... Right now, each day, maybe five or 10 school requests are coming in. And that's very different for us because we used to just build this on word of mouth. Yes. Whereas now we're using these viral tools that people say, I love this, I'm a parent, I'm gonna share it. And that's how we're getting into schools now. The other way that we build it is our presenters inherently become a bit of a sales force. Yes, of course. They go into yeah, a school in Atlanta while well, we're going into a school in Toronto and someone heard about something and a parent got excited from their kid who came home saying, I want to be safe on the internet. And they're like, what? I'm in. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> who are you? Mm -hmm. Very cool. So what started this journey for you? What was the, the aha moment? You said, I got to go down. I got to fix this problem. I've always loved speaking to kids. Yeah. And then eventually I realized one of the biggest things that they're up to these days is life online. And I thought, I, I currently don't have kids of my own, right. but I work with them all the time. I thought if I right now were to have my own child who was 10 years old, uh -huh. I would have a lot of questions and I would have a lot of concerns about how to best support them on social media with all these people in their lives online. So why we are doing this is because we thought, well, let's, let's build the thing that when we have kids at that age, we can access our own ecosystem of experts and resources and conversations and methods that we're like building the village right. that will take care of kids online. So how does uh, how do you uh, involve the parent and the child or children in the journey together? The main way we do that is kids see the presentation, they head home with a postcard to hand to mom and dad and they often do it. They're excited to be like, check it out. Look what I got. I want to be safe. Yeah. That points them to a world online with like a video, a welcome page. And, and then the parent and the kids are sort of together looking at this thing. And then we provide some conversation starters about here's what happened in their school today. Here's some conversations you can have immediately. And we've received positive feedback from parents saying this was really helpful. Yes. I mean, A, I usually don't know what they were up to at school. Yeah. B, I don't really know how to carry the ball. Right, and right. C, yeah. I've needed this. Right, right, right. Yeah, because you, I mean, your kid comes home and they said, what did you do today at school? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. so now you got an engaged card versus conversation versus, well, okay, mm -hmm. you, know, you, you talk to Joe or whatever. 
Yeah. So where are you going next? What's the, I mean, it sounds to me like this is a, is this North American wide now primarily? Yeah. And, uh, what's the, so we're going to talk a year from now, Blake, we'll talk probably before then, but yeah. it's a, it's podcast, uh, fire, ca- fire site conference podcast, 2019. What's happening in the next 365? A year from now, the presenter team will probably be larger. I would mm-hmm. say we'll probably be closer to 30 presenters across North America. Right. The curriculum and the family products will be used more beyond North America. Right. And we'll have some communities built outside the continent who are benefiting from the tools that we've built for parents and kids at home. And the little characters that are in our kids' book, a year from now, those characters might have an even bigger presence. Perhaps what began as us giving one presentation in Toronto, by next year it's the presentations, the curriculum, and and maybe those characters allow My Life Online to enter into community with like the the Sesame Streets and the Paw Patrols so that this conversation is really trickling into young kids' lives in a productive, exciting, and cool way. So you're the CEO? I say I'm like a co-CEO because it's my buddy and I that started this and it just keeps growing. So we're both kind of a two-headed monster. And so tell me about your buddy. How do you two differ? We didn't know until about six months ago because we literally used to do everything together. We would write emails together. We would go to meetings together. We'd present together. We were literally like Siamese twins of creativity. And is that good in your head? It's good in terms of the chemistry. Right we can finish each other's sentences all the time what's his name his name is dave okay dave anderson Mm. and now we realized okay let's take that chemistry and that connection and let's now divide and conquer because we probably did miss a year or two of productivity right right so now the way we divide and conquer is he's more on the front end with sales lead gen marketing that side i'm on like the delivery side of things whereas i'm coaching the presenters i'm the one making sure okay what does the school look, see, experience, and feel, mm-hmm. and then what goes home to the parents. So right. together, we're making the whole wheel happen, and plus it increases our own accountability. Instead right. of, oh, well, Dave's not around today, so I'm just <laughs> gonna take a breather. It's, all right, Dave, I'm gonna do this. All right, Blake, I'm gonna do this. And then we get to check back in and high-five each other for us moving the ball down the My Life Online court. So I've, I've heard a lot of uh, what you're doing is very much a social enterprise, which is fantastic and it's contributing to you know generations of, I mean, seriously years and years of what you're putting into the foundation of children now is going to just extend to years and decades and decades how do you make money good question i heard about you when the check comes in yeah so what's the check coming in for the check is coming in for presentations okay. so the main way we make money is a school books a presentation and then the, like with a mark black that's where you met mark is it something exactly like that then, right? yeah. yeah so they book a speaker right that's the the model other revenue that's now coming in is we have the curriculum for the classroom so it's sort of like a an additional thing a school can buy yeah and then parents can buy something called my kids online yes which is like a resource and a community for parents to just get some videos some interviews with experts and then the other thing for revenue is our kids book right. so the kids book is brand new right and Cool. It's sort of like a small, medium, and large way to reach people and yeah, make money. Yeah. Um, and who knows? The characters might build out, and then maybe we've got like a production company with yeah. shows and movies and who knows what. Well, you know, you always look for those nuggets of wisdom. And what you just said there, I think, is really important for the audience. Now, here's hearing this, who knows? And that's part of the, the, the coolness of the journey. <laughs> and I guess the way it can be kind of scary, too, but... 
you don't know a hundred percent. Yeah. You just don't know. Yeah. You try to control it as much as you can, but you still don't know as to as to where that's going to go. So I got one more question for you, and this is so you're going to talk to the parents now. What are you finding is the number one? I'm going to say. Uh, major big hairy monster on the internet now that kids are facing that through knowledge your organization is helping them with does that question make sense it does and it makes me think of the common concerns question and questions parents always have when we speak to parents and the main ones are how do i know who they're talking to yes the main ones are how do i know that my kid's ready to start a youtube channel yeah and the main ones are is it okay that I'm reading my kids' texts and messages? Like, I don't want to not read it. Yes. But I also don't want to crash their privacy. Yes, yes. And these are the yeah. super common questions yeah. and concerns from parents. Yeah. And so, like, we have a, a list of responses to all those things. And some other time we'll get into it. But the main thing that we remind parents is that kids are just paying attention to grown-ups and and we're doing so much of this as well wow and so instead of like oh my kids we remind parents kind of through the side door that this isn't a kid thing this is like a human thing right and we're all attempting to attend to this reality together support each other in this community that happens to have not 10 neighbors in our neighborhood but millions of people in our online community so we tell everyone when you're talking to people online, ask before you post it, is this true? Is this kind? And does this represent you? And we teach that to kids, but adults benefit from it immensely. And we also remind them, it's not a screen, it's a human being. And we just want to build empathy before we put anything on a screen. That is so cool. The other thing that you did, by the way, is validate something that a lot of parents wouldn't think through one of your own experiences and research is kids are listening to their parents. Yeah. That's very cool because a lot of them would think, I can't get through to Blake. Yeah. But in actuality, they are listening. They just may not be telling you that they're listening. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Dude, keep doing your rock star stuff. It's been an honor to have this conversation. And, Likewise. Uh, let's stay in touch. So, mylifeonline.com. So, start CA. That was taken. Okay. The website is welcome to my life online. Welcome to my life online. Com. Which is perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know people, how do people book you? Uh, welcome to mylifeonline.com. You go there, there's a contact page, and you can learn all about our team and what we have to offer. Cool. Do you have a LinkedIn profile? I do not, actually. I hear that's a handy website. It's a handy website. For those of you tuning into this episode, I hear LinkedIn is growing. <laughs> yeah. You're awesome, dude. Yeah. Thanks, Blake, very much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern.